There you go. <laughs> All right. That's oh. working. <laughs> I can show you what it's doing. It's not letting me share. It says unable to live stream the custom service. So what the fuck? You have entered a non-encrypted. Did you get this before? What? This is a, um, one Ooh, sorry. Um, this is a, I've seen him do something about this before. I just don't remember what it was. Um, he uses my Zoom though, so that's not what I should put there, right? Okay, now I'm really confused because we're obviously already logged into Zoom. Yeah, on the app, um, I think this is a website, so that might be the difference there. Okay. I think these are what I need to use that it's asking me for. They're probably the same stuff, but you know, we're, we're just gonna see what happens. All right. I need to pass that point where, oh, no, it didn't. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> Something happens every so often, he said, and of course it's happening now. Um. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Some more. And then your service. Oh, yeah, I already did that. No. It shouldn't be this hard. That's stupid. Go back to here. Why, motherfucker? I did go. Yeah. I don't want to mess that up though. Rob, why did it work so weird? I just, everything's exactly the same. I don't want to like change it and ruin something for him. 
Right? I'm just not sure why it's given that fucking error code when it's the same stream URL and same stream key. Nothing was changed in there. So the only thing I think of would be the edit, but I don't want to like change it and mess with this shit. But it says I need an RTMPS instead of P. What if I just put an S in there? Right, try <laughs> in there and see if that fixes this stupid motherfucker. <laughs> if it does, I'm done. <laughs> hey! Hey! Oh. Ah! Fuck! Damn it. I was hoping it would just keep plowing right through and actually stream. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Fuck, man. I mean, you could go live just on Facebook, but I know it's not what he wants, but maybe better than nothing. Um... Well, I mean, at least if we were on there, the people who are usually watching can, you know, do so. Yeah. I, I guess we, I mean, at least with the recording going, we can always pop it into the other shit later. And by we, I mean Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be the best thing to do, honestly. Unfortunately. And then you only do it that for a half hour at this point now. <laughs> right. Fuck. All right. Let me see if I can get you on Facebook then. Stop live stream. I wasn't even live. Don't lie to me. No, I didn't want custom though. This is dumb. Um, is Facebook Live just something like can you only do that via Facebook? Um, Where is, is that on here? I I have no fucking clue because again, shows. we haven't had the opportunity to sit down for him to show me how to actually set that up and get it going. Yeah, all it says um, is streaming service, and that takes me back to <laughs> I don't know. I push it again, even though it's probably not going to work. <laughs> million broadcasts and over six. Oh my god! It's got fucking commercials playing on this shit. Um. I. Google. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Natalie commented, not sure if started yet. I'm stuck in a restream infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. 
Oops. <laughs> I told her we haven't started yet. We're having diff we're having technical difficulties with restream. Yeah. And sure as shit. Poor thing fucking you know 24 minutes at this point, 25 of restream infomercial. Oh no. <laughs> Thought. Um, yeah. Account management account settings. Oh, yeah. Trying to do it based on. <laughs> She's shared it into 10 groups too. <laughs> God love her. Um. <laughs> oh boy. There's, yeah. if anybody's even watching in those, they're watching a fucking infomercial. <laughs> Like, God damn it. Like, ain't that fabulous? It's fucking taking over our shit to play an infomercial for its software that doesn't want to fucking work right now. <laughs> Great advertising, guys. <laughs> Fuck. Man. In meeting events, this is Rusty Breakout and Mills, Rusty Support, and Plus Function, blah, 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 blah. Have all that what's that oh i've just read everything this told me to do and it literally didn't help <laughs> right like all the things you've already done yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> well you're trying to shit you already tried and see if it works <laughs> Fuck. like if it worked we wouldn't be having an issue <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> okay, this is funny. She commented back, and for some reason, it 
even though her other comments had shown up under her name, this time it came up under the page. So it looks like we're talking to ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, okay, sorry to hear it's giving you trouble. Good luck. I'll check back. <laughs> Fuck, man. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Don't take my fog, man. Is there any reflection on you? That's just my frustration of like, oh, I, no, <laughs> I appreciate that you're over there trying. I feel invalid in this fucking situation <laughs> because there is not fuck all I can do to help because I don't know dick about that software. <laughs> Me either. Again. I don't think anything changed, but I'm trying again. Hey, it says this meeting is being live streamed now. Oh my goodness. I am a genius. I just need to let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> I can read the internet. Fucking A. Got it working. All right. <laughs> oh man. There we go. There we go. Let me check on my phone before I just don't help anymore. Make sure it's live. Okay. Um, it says you're live. Is it showing this screen now instead of that stupid fucking infomercial? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are on the Black Panther Party um, title screen on Facebook. Awesome sauce. Okay. All right. Anybody who's out there watching, thank you for your patience in dealing with that fucking infomercial for like 27 minutes or some fucking shit at this point. Um, my apologies. We've been having some technical difficulties here with Restream, but Emily fucking rocks and got us going. So <laughs> we are actually fully functional now. Um, and give me just a moment here. We will delve into Bobby Seal's book, Seize the Time. If you're following along with us in the uh, file that we've posted of the book that's linked in the description, um, that's in our Google Drive, we will be picking up here on page 193 at Yippies, Convicts, and Cops. Um, so I'll give you a moment to get that pulled up there. Um, thank you again for your patience while we fixed this stuff and got it going. Thank you, Emily, for kicking ass. Welcome to For We Are Many. Right now we're feeling a little like For We Are 
defective or something <laughs> trying to figure out this fucking software but we got it going um rob will be joining us shortly he's still at work right now um so he'll be hopping in here later but uh welcome to part 12 of the black panther party and dialectical materialism this is our dive into bobby seals sees the time the story of the black panther party um again if you're pulling that up from the google drive file that we shared we are at page 193. yippies convicts and cops a lot of times when we were taken over to the federal building in Chicago, Jerry Rubin and I were isolated in a cell by ourselves. This went on for most of the remaining 25 days that Jerry had to serve in jail. We always felt that they were putting us in an isolated tank because that tank was being bugged and they were trying to find out what we were saying or trying to get something so they could misconstrue it and use it against us. They hoped we'd talk about the legal strategy those other lawyers were using for the defense of their seven clients. Of course, we didn't. I talked to Jerry a lot about the party. I felt that Jerry Rubin had come to have a more political perspective about the situation. We talked a lot about the Yippie Hippie movement. I asked him the difference in the names Yippie and Hippie. He said Yippie is the political aspect of the hippie movement, and the hippie is the part of the group that hasn't necessarily become political yet. They mostly prefer to be stoned, he said, but most of them want peace, and they want to end to this stuff. Jerry ran down a lot about the discrimination that goes with respect to yippies, hippies, and what have you. Or brown people, or red people, or other people's. And I asked him, why really do you wear long hair? It's rejection and a way of identifying yourself, he said. When you're wearing long hair and rejecting the system, it causes people to ask questions. What you do is you become a walking, talking, visible part of the revolution if you walk down the street wearing long hair. If I walk down the street and I've got real long hair, I know that people are asking questions and they're saying things. The middle class world doesn't really understand what is wrong in the system and the corruptness in the system. That is not the way the history books put it. I found out that Jerry Rubin had been a top newspaper reporter for five years in Cincinnati. That really got off of me. I really had to think about that. Jerry came to oppose, oppose the oppression, the poverty, the fascist tactics that the cops used and overall system. He knew that he he knew that the system needed an overhauling. He knew that some form of socialistic system was going to have to be implemented to really begin to remove the oppressive social obstacles and social evils in the system. Jerry told me he respected Jimmy Hoffa because Hoffa really fought for the workers to have a better life. Hoffa did a lot of things for the workers. I asked him if he thought Jimmy Hoffa was political enough to understand the need for a socialistic system. He said he didn't think Hoffa was yet, but it would be very good if Hoffa would come around to the side of the masses of people and get the workers to understand that it is necessary to implement some kind of basic socialistic system here in America for all the workers, both unemployed and employed. He really respected Hoffa's past work. I talked to him a lot about black people being a nation within a nation. 
setting forth to Black people that they're a nation within a nation can be misconstrued and shouldn't be misconstrued, not only in words, but in terms of deeds and practice. This shouldn't be confused with Black racism. And I explained how Chicano and Latino people were a nation within a nation and how Chinese people were a nation within a nation. And that this is maintained because the exploiting system, which is racist, and the capitalistic system, which perpetuates racism, are really one and the same. As long as it exists, that in itself really defined Black people as a nation with a nation or any other group of people who were subjected to exploitation and racist tactics as a nation within a nation. When I told him we wouldn't be defining ourselves as a nation within a nation based on color alone, that we would be defining ourselves as a nation within a nation based on the existing economic status of Black America, Jerry understood this. Our geographical location here in America, that we are in fact second-class citizens and that we are scattered in wretched ghettos and rural areas in the thousands and millions, cooped up in these places here in America. Also the language of the black community as it is directly related to the colonized situation that black people live in, the oppressive conditions that we are subjected to, all of this from history to now, is the foundation for our psychological makeup. Our language is interconnected with our environment and expresses certain psychological understandings and attitudes in terms of our attempts to survive. I think Jerry understood the psychology, the language, the economic status, and the geographical locations of Afro-Americans here in America. That in fact, black brothers in Africa were our brothers in oppression but their language is not the same as ours, that we live in a highly technical society here in America, whereas a large portion of Africans live in rural areas and underdeveloped areas and undeveloped countries. That since language and the environment are different, race doesn't necessarily constitute an overall world nation. He seemed to really understand it when I showed him how we were made into a nation within a nation having been brought here from America and after exploitation and segregation, becoming Afro-Americans. I explained the language to him, showing him some surviving African words and idiomatic expressions, which are directly related to our present situation here. I told him we were directly relating to the fact that racism existing in Africa is quite parallel to the racism that exists here in America. And Marxist-Leninism, has to be stretched and some more progressive ideas have to be set forth in relation to the need to change the system here in America to show people that black people have a right to our freedom as human beings. Jerry, of all the cats I talked to among the left and revolutionary white brothers is one cat who I think understood it better than most people. In our general conversation, he was the most political in his understanding. I had never known Jerry Rubin before. I'd never met any of the other seven defendants in Chicago before that DNC convention either. I never even talked to any of them before I came to make that speaking engagement during the convention. In fact, I didn't say more than hi, hello, to Jerry when I went to the park to make that speech. That's the speech that they said was supposed to incite a riot. We have a transcript of that speech, and it was a very typical speech. 
I never told anybody to go and riot. First, I told everybody they had a right to defend themselves. Second, I told the cats to put the guns in their homes because they had a right to have guns in their homes. And we had a right to defend ourselves in the black community if we were unjustly attacked. Those were the kinds of things in that speech. At one point, the DAs, Schultz and Foran, thought that they were gonna railroad me on the basis of that speech by saying that I incited a riot and told people to go out and riot. I oppose spontaneous rioting and the party has always opposed spontaneous rioting. A spontaneous riot is generally without leadership of any kind. It's just a lot of black people who are ready to resist the system, but who are totally unorganized and they're only hurting themselves. I told people in that speech that we should organize in small groups, twos and threes and fours, and then went on to the fact that we had a right to defend ourselves when the cops come down into our community and occupy it like a foreign troop. That speech didn't incite anybody to riot. But in spite of these facts, here I was in the Cook County Jail going to court every day on such an accusation. Every morning at five, they'd get me up and take me to a tank where I'd wait for three hours with whatever federal prisoners were facing court that day. And every day they'd turn up court out, take me back shackled with handcuffs on and a chain around my waist. Sometimes they'd handcuff me to another cat there would be an escort from the federal building to the Cook County Jail. Excuse me, got to stretch out. It's about seven miles between the two places. Sirens would be flashing on the escort cars. We'd be riding in a big paddy wagon, a United States government truck, and they'd go around all other traffic. Sometimes they'd have cats in there who had federal charges and had to appear in other courts. When there were escapees, They'd really put heavy security down, three or four cars and shotguns. One guard was about five foot eight and he was a fascist minded fool. We named this deputy marshal James Bond because he carried knives in his boots. He always carried two guns, a shotgun and a 357 Magnum in the escort car. And you just know he was gonna trip over his guns. You could tell he was really a psychopathic pig. When they were transferring us, he would always grab one of those machine guns they have and take this ready-to-fire stance. He was actually a foolish, stupid-looking pig, nowhere near the superficial, untrue movie character James Bond, but you could see this cat must have related to that stupid crap. Sometimes when they closed the door to the paddy wagon, you could look out the window and he'd take his stance with his shotgun and his 357, or his shotgun and his machine gun, and you'd see him trying to get into his car, and sure enough, stumbling over his own guns. He almost dropped one one time trying to get back into the escort car. That to me sounds like a shit show. <laughs> Someone who's owned... Um, numerous shotguns and rifles over the years. I can't fathom trying to hop into a car holding two over my fucking shoulders. That's this guy was putting on a fucking show. Anywho, uh, a couple of those marshals. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong paragraph. Skipped one. We discovered that he kept knives in his boots because when they came into the prison area with us, the marshals would have to give up their guns to the jail sheriff and lock them up. 
One day we watched from the paddy wagon's windows as the cats reclaimed their weapons. James Bond put his foot up on a chair and pulled up his pants leg and stuck a knife into his boot. Then he put his other leg up and stuck another knife into his other boot. He wore a kind of desert boot that came up about eight inches above his ankles and he stuck his knives down into them like he had sewn in scabbards down there. A couple of those marshals were fanatics. You should have heard us in prison. We talked about them like they were crazy. James Bond was absurd. He was a fanatic with a gun, just waiting for somebody to stumble so he could shoot. Sometimes a cat is shackled. What if he stumbles? This kind of fanatic would think he was trying to escape or something. If anybody stumbled, that kind of fool would shoot up marshals and everybody. That's why we didn't like James Bond. We didn't like that guy at all. A lot of the cats who shared the federal building tank with me after Jerry had finished his 25 days and left were some real out of sight guys. They understood in so much detail the corruption in Chicago from the mayor all the way down and the corrupt government operations. They told me about some of the slick moves Mayor Daly pulls such as having two houses one being near or about a black neighborhood so that people would see him on television going into that particular house while he actually lived in another mansion someplace else. And the criminal activity at the city was, or in the city was directly interconnected with the government operations on a very large scale from the way the prisoners put it. The prisoners put forth kind of this kind of information without any hostility, just very factually. It was obvious that they were aware of their own particular predicament and the predicament of many other people that were being charged. Most of the cats that were there were very well aware of the things that were happening, although they weren't allowed the city newspapers in jail. There was corruption in Chicago with the judges. A number of judges were forced to resign because of corruption and taking money behind the scenes. Most of the prisoners knew that if you had so much money, you could just buy your way out of certain trials, certain kinds of cases for two and three and $5,000. And prisoners would explain these kinds of things quite often. When you were getting in a general kind of conversation about what was going on, uh, or when we'd get in a conversation about Judge Hoffman, Hoffman is known to own some large businesses there or have stock or ownership in some kind of businesses that actually produce war materials that are being used in Vietnam, which automatically shows his interest in prosecuting and having a biased point of view completely negative to the eight defendants and wanting more than likely to see them convicted. Of course, he would sit up and deny this. This is his public relations front, but he's not much on public relations with his ignorance and his trampling tyrannically over people's constitutional rights. When I was being put in the tank with other prisoners, they noticed something. When the three or four marshals would come and get me and take me downstairs to court, one of the prisoners was taken out and he never did return to the tank until I came back after the noon recess to eat a sandwich and the stuff they give you in jail there. This prisoner would be returned just before I got there. Some of the prisoners told me that they could smell a cop a mile away. So when we were talking, they would say, be quiet, Bobby, be cool. They'd pull me over in a corner and say, this, this cat may try to misconstrue something. Then I would say, they can't misconstrue anything because all I'm talking about is party philosophy and what have you. And they said, yes, but you know what these cats do? 
they'll jack up one of these prisoners in here and he'll take some of the things you actually said and twist them and add some lies on the stand and make it look like you were saying something else. Then they'll have a regular agent who's infiltrating who will take the stand and repeat these things and exaggerate even more and tell all kinds of lies. Just because of what you said about your party's philosophy, by their cooperating in lies, they could trick a jury into believing them. They operate that way, so you have to be aware of that. I appreciated this very much from a number of prisoners there. These were all federal prisoners. Many of them were getting big time. One cat there, his name was Bob. He seemed to have beaten some 25 cases in the last seven, eight years. And it tickled me that although he wasn't political, he always knew what the hell I was talking about. He understood the talk about a basic socialistic system and other things. He got convicted and got 25 years. And they hit him with another charge and tried to give him another 25 years. <clears throat> they say in the federal prison system, the parole system's just all goofed up. In the sense that if you got 10 years, you're going to do six and three months. And if you get 50 years, you're going to do every bit of possibly 35 years. These are the kinds of things prisoners didn't dig at all naturally because the federal government has a tendency to snap a whole lot of time to a cat. Another thing that most of the prisoners said was that it seemed like cats were getting picked up everywhere, more so than in the past. People being railroaded. A number of cats, you could just hear their stories and their situations and know they really weren't guilty. Some of them were obviously guilty and showed that they knew this. On the other hand, there's a lot of cats just getting messed over. Criminal activity is so rampant in Chicago on the upper levels, on the political levels, that smaller cats were getting used as patsies and run over. <clears throat> they were being used to save some big time politician someone who is connected to the politicians or the businessmen who were running things and controlling the politics of the city of Chicago. I think that people could learn a heck of a lot from those prisoners who are getting railroaded. There was even a case where both a father and his son were being railroaded on some jive murder beef. People were being used as pool or as stool pigeons being charged with a crime and then offered freedom by the government if they'd help connect or convict another cat by getting on the witness stand to lie and say that they saw this person here and this person there. When the, <clears throat> excuse me, when the person was actually someone that these cats had never seen in their whole lives. It seemed like the prisoners knew quite a bit about when our constitutional rights were being violated. It amazed me the insight that they had. It was an experience for me to be able to really communicate with so many cats who were being railroaded in a very blatant way. In that county jail, the brothers needed to know a lot. They've got to understand that the power structure is what's messing them up. A few cats who are guards tried to understand me. I gave those cats a lot of respect. The guards who did not try to fuck over me. Black guards did not try to mess me over and I didn't try to mess over them. A lot of them were interested in the Black Panther Party and the philosophy. I tried to get 2,000 Panther papers into the jail, but I couldn't. They let the Muslim paper in. They let the Catholics in to show movies and bring in all their little papers with all the other kinds of religious groups. 
there was even a school in there for some of the brothers. If they wanted to go to school at night, they can go to school, which is a positive thing. I felt the cats should also have the Black Panther paper and soul on ice. A lot of brothers could get a lot of correct concepts if they had the opportunity and took the time to read the Panther paper and soul on ice. Being in jail, they can see themselves. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Being in jail, they can see themselves as revolutionary politicians, changing the decadent conditions that we're subjected to that caused them to be in jail in the first place and caused brothers and sisters to be murdered in the first place. But we shall consider them pigs in one form or another unless they are working and relating to and fascist social injustices. Those black guards learned from me and I learned from them Cook County Jail is a good place to learn about what it's really like in Chicago. To me, Chicago is a big town with corruption pervading the whole situation from Mayor Daley all the way down to the pig on the street murdering, murdering people. That's the way I describe Chicago. And all the other towns in America where Black people live are Chicago's. And that's genocide. Little girls just sitting on the steps doing nothing, just shot down. 80 black people were murdered in the streets. While I was in the hospital in the Cook County Jail, they turned on the television and I saw this cat who is the president of the Afro-American Patrolman's League. This was right around the time that the Soto brothers were killed. What happened there was one brother was murdered by a cop while he was walking down the street. It came out as a clear case of a cop just shooting a cat and killing him. His brother came home from the army from fighting for his so-called country for his brother's funeral. It wasn't three or four days later when he was shot in the back of the head by a cop. The people witnessed the fact that he was just walking down the street and the cop pulled his gun out and shot and killed him. Another of the brothers was there in the Cook County Jail. I never got a chance to see him but they told me he didn't get emotional. He didn't crack up or anything. Oh, he went about his business. But everybody said that they could tell that this brother wasn't going to let that go the way they killed his two brothers. Excuse me for a moment while I can get a drink. So I was watching this cat on TV, the president of the Afro-American Patrolman's League. And there was another member with him and they were running down how the racist aspect of the Chicago Police Department had accused them of having membership in the Black Panther Party. This patrolman didn't defend himself by denouncing the party, but instead he definitely went forth to denounce the racist brutality and murder of Black people in the Black community. He set forth an understanding of the social evils and the social conditions that we are subjected to. Prior to that, the only contact that I had had with the Afro-American Patrolman's League was when the cats called up the office a long time ago when we were getting ready to implement the community control of the police. We had already begun to move the community control of police petition where registered voters would sign a petition stating the fact that they wanted to have a community control of police with neighborhood councils who would do the hiring and firing and where also this kind of law would be voted on a yes or no proposition by all the city or all the citizens of the city 
and where all the policemen would be hired from the community that they lived in. And the Afro-American Patrolman's League was interested. They were not against this kind of thing. These cats I couldn't and wouldn't call pigs. The party wouldn't call them pigs because in fact, they are concerned with the people in the community. And that's very significant. Some of the black cops right here in San Francisco call themselves officers for justice. They even have some white cats in their organization. We wouldn't call those cats pigs either. In Los Angeles, there was even one white policeman who quit the force a couple years back. He was going to run for DA of LA County because he was so incensed about operations that were being used in railroading half of all the black cats who were being put in jail. They were actually being railroaded into jail with gross violations of their constitutional rights. But as he put it, the harassment by the racist police and the racist department itself on black people in the black community was worse. I thought of this and the officers for justice as I was listening to these cats from the Afro-American Patrolman's League on the television in Cook County Jail. It's very significant that black policemen would come together like that. I see the necessity of even the black cats who are deputies in the sheriff's department out there, regardless of what the sheriff says or the superintendent, I think they should get in the Afro-American Patrolman's League and be a part of it and be really concerned with their community. Most of the black cats and police departments really know that they're just there for a job. But I think that it's necessary that they raise their political consciousness and that of their fellow officers to a higher level, as the Black Panther Party's been trying to raise some gang members' consciousness to a higher political level. It's very necessary because a lot of the cats who are committing crimes are really committing jive crimes against their own people, and they don't have any basic political consciousness. And that's one thing the Black Panther Party's been trying to give to a lot of the cats in the Black community, real revolutionary political consciousness so they won't be running around committing petty crimes. They'll start defending themselves and they'll find out they're defending something worthwhile. In this way, the black community, the black policemen and those white policemen who are opposed to racism and oppression should move to expose the racism in the police departments. We really have to give the Afro-American Patrolman's League a lot of respect for taking that stand. And that's the end of that chapter. So I'm going to take a moment here to uh, check the comments and see what's going on here. If you guys got anything you would like to add here. Uh, and sorry if that's causing feedback that just started playing. Okay. <laughs> I see there's not any new comments there other than Emily saying we're back half hour ago. <laughs> um, all right. Let's move on to the next chapter. Pigs, problems, politics, and panthers. This section is called Do Nothing Terrorists and Other Problems. From its very beginning, the Black Panther Party has had problems with a lot of people who come in and use the party as a base for criminal activity, which the party never endorsed or had anything to do with. 
In the early days of the party, we had to try a number of times to show brothers that they were breaking rules and eventually tell them they're no longer members of the party and that they didn't represent the party anymore. Some brothers would come into the party and see us with guns and they related only to the gun. But one of the things that the party did from the very beginning was to sit brothers down and politically educate them. We assigned books and materials like the autobiography of Malcolm X, the wretched of the earth, and help them understand their constitutional rights and some basic points of law. The 10 point platform and program was essential because through it, the brothers would understand that we had guns, not for foolish criminal activity against their people, but for self-defense since there's so much brutality and murder unjustly committed on the part of cops against black people. We constantly tried to teach the brothers this from the very beginnings of the party, and many, many have learned well and understood the scope of the party. But in the process and development of the party, many have had to drop away, were expelled, or were told to get out of the party. There are some people who go around and say they are Black Panther Party members, when in fact they aren't. If they had been arrested or possibly had done something, or if the cops were just trumping something up on them, the police department would announce to the press that they'd just arrested some Black Panther Party members. Naturally, the demagogic politicians and, and the police who are the armed bodies of the state and protect the state and the greedy riches of the avaricious businessmen would lie and try to mislead the people. They didn't want people to understand the real philosophy of the Black Panther Party, the real 10-point platform and program, the real community program on a very practical level to try to educate the people and end their oppression. Violations of the rules of the party were primarily due to previous condition, conditioning and the oppression that we live in. The party has the principle that only the worthy, those who are really dedicated to serving the people, those who are able to grasp the meaning of the rules and philosophy of the Black Panther Party should be members. We have a rule that no one can be drunk while doing any party work. It doesn't mean that a party member can't ever drink, but if, if he's drunk, he can't do political work. You can't drink around the offices of the Black Panther Party. At one time, brothers would bring around some drink, but then we told them that they had to go into the back and they better not get drunk. Then we stopped that too. Brothers who were drunk would come around and say they wanted to get into the party. We tell them that they couldn't become members of the Black Panther Party. If a member got sloppy drunk and became unfunctional, then he would put on a worker suspension. If he violated the rules again, we would expel him and put his name and picture in the party paper and explain that this person's selfish desires and needs seem to be above the party's principle of serving the people in the community. Some people joined the party for status reasons. The party was well known in the community and was written up in the papers a lot. These cats would put on complete Panther uniform, black gray, black slacks, black shoes, black pimp socks or regular socks, shine shoes, blue shirt and a black turtleneck. They were clean shaven or if they had a goatee or beard, it was neatly trimmed. They'd stand up in front of the office with a mean face on, their chest stuck out and their arms folded, watching people walk by. 
They were psychologically surviving off incorrect sensationalism that had been put forth in the newspapers. We began to call them the do-nothing terrorists. The only thing they did was rap to the sisters. There were some sisters who wanted brothers who would stand up, talk bad and loud, sell wolf tickets, and carry on. They never did any work at all or faked work, so we had to suspend and expel many of these brothers and sisters. A bunch of them would stand around the office. We'd ask them to do some work and pass out leaflets. They'd lie and say they had passed out the leaflets already. Half the time, these cats would throw the leaflets away. We began to find stacks of leaflets thrown off in a lot or sitting in one of those keep the city clean waste paper baskets. This really teed a lot of us off. All they wanted to do was front off being in the Panther Party and rap to the sisters. Some were just plain cultural nationalists, black racists. It was a bunch of jive that we had to get rid of. Sometimes white friends in the Peace and Freedom Party would come down to our office to drop off some money for transportation or some reams of paper. These fool do-nothing terrorists would say, you white people can't come in our office. There was a number of black racists around also who would do some work, but who would propagate black racist attitudes, which was directly counter to the party's revolutionary line. We tried to tell these cats over and over again that we had a working coalition for a specific purpose with Peace and Freedom Party. Some people tried to take it out of context and tried to say that we trust white people. And we said, no, we don't just trust white people. We just trust what white people do. Those whites who do things that are positive, we respect. And those who do things that are negative, we don't respect. That's the way you have to see it. They would use this sometimes to try and cover up their lack of work. So we criticized them until they weren't doing anything positive for the party. Finally, we told Huey about it. So Huey ordered all Black Panther Party members not to wear their black berets anymore unless we were at a public function of some kind where the party wanted to be conspicuous about the fact that we had, had a uniform and we're a political party who had members that were of service to the community. Man, you should have seen the reaction. The do-nothing cats were saying, man, what you talking about? Baby, you're ruining my game. That's just the point, we said, so don't be wearing no beret. This is going to identify who's doing work and who isn't doing work. Don't be running around here fronting on some kind of status in the party. Another problem at that time was the brothers that identified only with the gun. When we started the party, Huey and I didn't have any intention of having them identify only with the gun. We knew that we had to teach them that the gun was only a tool and it must be used by a mind that thinks. When we first started out, the very first members had to go to political education classes. Included was one hour of field stripping of weapons, safety and cleaning of weapons in the home, etc. Then we had one or two hours of righteous political education and study. The third area was work, coordinating various activities and understanding the political significance of various actions that we took. Like when we went to the police department with our guns, when we had to go help the brothers and sisters in Richmond, and when we went to the sheriff's office and tried to enter with 
and are armed with guns, along with community people, to protest murder and police brutality. We also did the work in the community of patrolling the police, actually trying to implement point seven of the 10 point platform and program. In all these actions, we tried to teach the brothers the importance of politically educating the people. The correct political education among members was necessary to break up all these hassles that we were having trying to organize the party. At the same time, we wanted as many members as we could possibly get so that the party would spread and members would carry the message. We also needed a really hard core of working people to get these things off the ground. Huey finally sent a message out of jail that those who were not doing any work should be expelled from the party because he'd rather work with 100 smart people than 3,000 foolish people. I don't blame him there. This next section is called Why They Raid Our Offices. The raids on almost every Black Panther Party headquarters in the United States during 1969 were partially related to a move of the party. Eldridge Cleaver made contact with members of the North Vietnamese government and asked them to allow him to announce their proposal that if the United States government would release political prisoners in America, starting with Huey P. Newton and myself, then the North Vietnamese government would release the American prisoners of war they're holding. Hi, Rob. Hello. <laughs> I just saw you joined from your phone. How's it going, bro? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, cooking for these bougie motherfuckers is the easiest. It's like the kitchen equivalent of a desk job. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, <laughs> anyway, it's much easier um, than, you know, doing 10 times the work at the last place. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, today is the first day that we are streaming not only to the For We Are Many Facebook page, but also to the Left Signal Boost TV page. So if you are joining us for the first time from that page, obviously this is part 12 of this series. You can take it all the way back to the beginning if you want. They're all available on ForWeAreMany.org and uh, yep. the For We Are Many Facebook page. And uh, we also just wrapped up our three-piece series on the Communist Manifesto and had the first part of our two-part series on Emma Goldman on Wednesday. All of that is available on the For We Are Many Facebook page or the website. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're working on building more content and actually getting in the swing of doing episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday every week so that we can actually get through all of this material that we want to share with you guys. Um, so like that, that's been a, a beautiful thing to actually be able to not just catch up, but start delving into more of the things that we've had on our list for a while. And I'm digging it. I'm liking doing four days a week. This is yeah. where, where we could see it going when we first started this, when we first started the planning of this at the end of last year, you know, so. Well, yeah, and just to, just to tie in the relevancy, I mean, I'm sure our viewers have noticed that a lot of the faces that were around in the early days just 
you know, have kind of tapered off. And I, I mean, we're kind of, we were kind of coming to that same point that, that they were, you know, like we need to figure out right. who actually wants to be involved and we need to bring in more people to do. Right. Who's down to do the work, <laughs> you know, cause this is a lot of work. Um, yeah. you know, and I mean, luckily um, we have a couple of people behind the scenes that are able to, uh, you know, monitor the comments or like, post on the Facebook page when we're busy doing other things but I mean for a while there it was just me and you and that that shit was hard <laughs> right <laughs> it is that's why I gotta give big props right now to Emily to Natalie to Vicky like to James thank you so much to Robert too um you know the that they have started, you know, to you know, hold down Robert's that watching this, I just want to point out that he's been in our chat for almost a month and still hasn't shown his face on the air yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about time for you to get your ass in here, bro. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it no would be pressure, cool to have no you on. <laughs> but, you know, that's one thing too. Like we, we love what you guys are doing, helping with the moderation on the page and everything. And I hope y'all know that you're more than welcome to hop on the panel with us anytime for any of these segments, you know, or any of um, meetings for that matter. That too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is a lot to juggle. This is, this is a lot of work. I think we kind of had a feeling ahead of time knowing like we're biting off a lot here. Let's hope we can chew it. Um, <laughs> and, well, you know, yeah, and that's why, you know, there's been a couple of times we've had to postpone episodes or, you know, a couple of times that we straight up didn't get to something that we wanted to get to. Um, and, and I want to thank everybody that, that, tunes in regularly for being patient with that because we did bite off right. a lot <laughs> we did and it took us a minute to work our way through it it was like oh oh shit we got some gristle here we got to chew harder <laughs> right. right you know <laughs> but i'm i'm liking seeing the way things are growing you know um hi sarah apparently she does too <laughs> she just gave me one paw up on that um you know, it's, it's growing quickly. And I, I like this, where we've eased into and in getting, you know, two book club sessions a week done, getting, you know, history pieces done every week. Um, because for a while, it seemed like there was more than what we could plow through. And it really wasn't. It was just a matter of organizing and you know, scheduling things out in a way that we can balance it with everything else going on in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it, I think, was that in the early days, we were trying to do two current event streams a week because there was so much happening. And it wasn't until we dialed that back that we were actually able to start being more productive. Because, you know, doing two, three and a half or four hours our streams a week with 50 fucking stories in them that shit was ridiculous i don't know how we did it i don't i don't know either i mean that that was a lot of work not just on those nights but in preparation for it wanting to not leave out anything that was important that needed to be discussed and 
you know, it's, it's still important to at least highlight certain things, but I'm liking the way that we've taken that, the direction that we've taken that of tapering that down and being able to do deeper dives and more focused discussions on those current event things and be able to relate them back to the other things that we're learning about in left history and labor history and go, wait a minute, we can see where those things that were predicted that would go wrong are going wrong right now. Here's these other things that they were doing back then that were going right that we need to continue now or build on now and develop further. Um, well, yeah, and that all of that uh, comes down to how I ended up becoming a communist because before we started doing this, <laughs> I was definitely more anarchist leaning, right? But like yeah. I've come to a realization that, don't get me wrong, I almost entirely agree with the anarchist like mindset right but right. the problem is is this society is straight up not ready for that and if you don't believe that go to walmart and see how many carts are not in the cart corral <laughs> right right you gotta go somewhere like aldi's where it's like motherfucker if you want your quarterback you're gonna return the goddamn cart quit being lazy <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> like how much do you value your quarter walk that cart back up you know and it's it's funny that it took a place like all these to show the world that it's okay if cashiers take a seat you don't need to stand for eight fucking hours and you know have your legs going out from underneath you out of sheer exhaustion just to get your job done it's okay to give cashiers a seat it's okay for you to then get the fuck out of the way and bag your own shit <laughs> <laughs> you know um it's okay for you to handle yeah. your own cart yeah. things like that and because of that they're actually able to pay their employees their higher wages than what other grocery stores commonly do you're cutting out bro right and I guess just to bring us on track, I also love this series. And this series also has a lot to do with my growth into a cost. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the way that they saw the society around them, they saw issues that needed addressing, and they fucking did it. Right. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that anarchists don't do that. But, like, on the scale the Black Panther Party did, or on the scale that the Bolsheviks did, or on the scale that Mao and his revolutionaries did, we've never seen that out of an anarchist revolution. All right. Yeah, you know, not to knock them, but we, we have seen a lot more actual action out of communists, you know? And part of that is actually having a plan of we can see where things need to go and what we need to change in order to achieve that, you know? And I'll be right. honest, I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, I dream of anarchy. I really do. I, I am very much um, in line with that idea of not being governed over nor governing over anybody else, but that also takes an understanding of ethics of where your rights begin and end because your rights end where the next person's begin, things like that, as well as the necessity for mutual aid to actually look out for each other because we're only going to thrive together. 
And that is something we need to have instilled before we can actually achieve anarchy. Right. And, and if that's we're not already is, coming is, into it with there? that frame of mind, we're going to end up. Oh, boy. Um, seizing the means but, of production well, like, to start and, with. And that's the whole thing. Well, yeah. But, but that's the thing. <laughs> Thank I, you, I mean, you know, for, for generations, we've been trying to figure out how to get there. But, like, I think that Lenin and Mao had the best insight into that. It's not going to be an overnight process. It's going to take fucking generations. It is. It really is. Because part of this process is unfucking the minds of the people who are still pro-capitalism because they don't understand that to be capitalized on means that someone else is keeping the lion's share of the wealth that they produce, which is not fucking fair. People have this red scare propaganda fucking frame of mind of thinking that communism means, oh, everybody's just equally poor. Well, I beg to differ. Tell me if you're working in the shop right now and, you know, say you're working for GM or one of the other big three or something, and you're making a hundred grand a year, you think you're sitting fucking pretty. Imagine how much more money you would be getting if the actual wealth you were producing with your work if you got the actual fair share of that, it would be exponentially more. You know, the fact of the fucking matter is, is just in this country alone, if wealth were properly dis dispersed amongst the people producing it, instead of the majority of it going to a capitalist who is just sitting on their fucking ass, profiting off of all of your labor. I'm looking at you, Jeff Bezos. I'm looking at you, Elon. I'm looking at y'all motherfuckers. Fuck you, Walton family. Um, if you were actually getting all of that, that properly dispersed, him too, that fucking cunt. But if everyone was actually getting their fair share of what would be what is being produced, the average family income would be $700,000 a year. Nobody would be in poverty. Tell me how the fuck that's wrong. Tell me how the fuck that's bad that you would be making more money. This is not an equally poor thing. This is a, everybody would be equally benefiting situation. Yeah. Look at how much wealth we produce here and how little the majority of our population actually gets. And it's even further fucked when you look at the intersectionality of all these things of, it's not just an oppression of the working class. Um, you know, this was actually a discussion I got into with a few folks the other day because some motherfuckers don't seem to understand that this movement for lifting people out of poverty, this has to begin with the Black community, the Native American community, because they are the hardest hit most oppressed by this capitalist system and, well, yeah, and I mean, apparently frankly, there's some motherfuckers out there if we're talking about a eurocentrist socialist revolution in the u.s i don't fucking want it if it doesn't begin right. with land back for indigenous people i don't fucking want it goddamn right 
Goddamn right. Yeah, I, I, I think the least that we can do for the black community is the 40 acres and a mule that they were promised fucking 170 years ago. Goddamn right. Goddamn fucking right. Just, dude, that's a thing. It, it, I'm dumbfounded at the fact that there is even people out there who call themselves Marxist-Leninists but do not see the movement for freeing black and native people as inherent, incremental to the Marxist movement. And I'm like, excuse me, motherfucker, you must not have read the book because Marx never said we need to lift up the oppressed poor white people only. No, he said we need to lift up the oppressed period. We need to lift up all of the working class. And we've got to well, start yeah, with I mean, even those who are Marx's most exploited. Day, even in Marx's day, he was talking about the intersectionality with race and with gender. Yup. That's why a, a large part of my response to that conversation was, you need to tell those motherfuckers to go back and read it again. Because I can tell they didn't fucking read Capital Right the first time. They must not have really read it at all. You need to tell them to go read some of Mao's work, some, you know, Black Panther Party work. You need to look into Fred Hampton's work with the Rainbow Coalition, things like that. So you can fucking understand this intersectionality here that this is absolutely incremental to this movement. And if you don't think it is, then you're not really part of this movement. How dare you call yourself a Marxist, let alone a Marxist-Leninist, if you think that this movement does not begin right fucking there with that intersectionality, because it does. Marx acknowledged that. Right. I mean, dude, Che and Fidel acknowledged that. I mean, yep. among Latin American... Cuban blacks are the most fucking free out of any example that I know of. Hell, Frida, Frida Kahlo recognized that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I dare somebody to point out a real communist in history that did not acknowledge this intersectionality. Well, and that's the thing. It seems to me like it's very much a, a, an old school Western communist thing. I don't know where it originates. And I mean, I know that the Black Panther Party themselves struggled with a patriarchal mindset. Right. So, I mean, like, I know that it's a factor, but like, I guess what I'm getting at is that it blows my mind that it's still a thing today. Right. Well, I mean, I think part of the fact that it's still even a thing today is because there was so many reactionaries who did everything in their power to try to squash these ideals and taint them as something negative, something harmful and un-American. And it's like, oh, wait dude, a minute, who the fuck? I don't what know why fuck? I just thought of this, but the other day there was a post in Anti-Fascist 2, which by the way, if you were a member of the Anti-Fascist group, that uh, got shut down about a week ago. Type the, no, the Roman numeral two after it and you will find the current one. Uh, but there was a post in that group, which obviously it was just to, to drive up engagement, but it was the White Panther Party logo 
right? Which, yeah. ironically enough, was adopted by the Black Panther Party, except for it was black instead of white. But the point is, is that they were part of the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, they they right. came out like in solidarity with the Black Panther Party in the late 60s, early 70s. And there yeah. was so many people that didn't know anything about it that were commenting on that post talking about how they were reactionary white supremacists. And I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? Did you even like, read the book? Right. <laughs> like, bro, I can tell you didn't read the book. Or you would have known. <laughs> like, no, that was not a white supremacy movement. That was a white ally movement. Right. And I mean, like, they organized um, in solidarity with the Black Panther Party. And at first, the Black Panther Party was kind of alarmed by it because they're like, what the fuck is this? And then fucking Huey and Bobby flew out to Detroit and fucking met them. And then they were like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you guys are a little bit jaded because you're white, but here's where you're wrong. And we're glad to work with you. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is, they were down to collaborate with anybody who is showing themselves willing to learn, willing to have ethics, and willing to stand up and fight and actually fucking try to bring about a socialist system. Because they understood right. that that was, that was the point that they needed to begin with in order to actually achieve the equality that we're still fucking fighting for today. Absolutely. Anyway, um, I'll let you get back to the book. I feel like I've interrupted enough at this point. Okay. I mean, I was just about to pack a bowl and, you know, smoke one about it while we have this discussion, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, how long before you're going to be home? Uh, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how many of these damn red lights I hit. Okay, By the way, just, right on. just for the record, because I am in the state of Arizona and it is illegal to use a mobile device while I'm driving, I uh, connected to the Zoom meeting while parked and uh, I am completely hands-free. <laughs> so just a little legal. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> right thank you for that yeah we've had those discussions too when on the phone while driving like wait a minute pull over <laughs> pull over set your shit up that's that's one thing like i really wish more people would do and follow that example of you know nothing wrong with carrying on a conversation but make sure that when you're setting the shit up on your phone to just pull over for a minute you know, be safe. Right. No sense in getting into any accidents. Just trying to, you know, enjoy your conversation. You can be safe and converse at the same time. But yes, back to the book. Um, we're in that section, why they raid our offices. I believe we left off at paragraph two on, uh, what page is that? 201. Uh, right after this was announced, while I was in Chicago at the trial, they readily cut it out of the newspapers and stopped the mass media from printing further information about this. The power structure did this, and it's very related to the recent raids that came down to the murder of Fred Hampton. The raids upon the Black Panther Party were directly related to the purge that the party had. 
the raids people heard about hit practically every Black Panther Party office in the country. The Black Panther Party began the purge in 1969 in January by announcing that we weren't going to be taking any more members in. We worked and found out about a lot of fools, expelled them, and printed their names and pictures in the Black Panther paper and explained to the people that they weren't representatives of the party anymore. This in itself stopped the CIA FBI infiltration operation into the Panther Party. So the raids were also related to the fact that the party had purged itself and stopped people from being able to come into it, infiltrate it, and work for the big power structure to help distort the real objectives and goals of the Black Panther Party. A technique typical I'd also of like to point out where this idea comes from. This uh, idea directly comes from Mao's Cultural Revolution. When Mao, and think about this in a modern context, Mao literally set the masses on the party. Yeah. That's all. Cleaning house. <laughs> exactly. I mean, at some point, reactionaries are going to infiltrate and they're going to be reactionary, surprise, and something has to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, hell, that's one reason why even with the working groups that we're in or have set up ourselves, why we're having to be really careful about who we let in so we're not getting reported, shut down, and fucking censored by assholes like Puckerberg, you know? Um, I mean, look, the anti-fascist group also just had to restart a new group, which, um, you know, that's all because of reactionary assholes getting in there and reporting shit. And by the way, when we're saying reactionary in this specific context, we're talking about liberals nine times out of ten. It wasn't Trump supporters. Right. It was fucking liberals. Yep. Yep. Liberals who can't stand being told that they're not the real left and what the real left is. And they're like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You centrist motherfucker. Um, go shit live somewhere else, you know. Um, and that's a huge problem. Also, I would like to point out before we hop back in the book that if you go to search for anti-fascist two in order to rejoin the group um, and it doesn't show up on your search results, send us a message so that one of us can invite you directly because that's also been a problem that people are pointing out that um, like say if they get a ban on one of their accounts and have tried to rejoin from another account because like us they have backup accounts because they keep getting put in Facebook jail and when they went to search for the groups that they're members of or even groups that they created they could not find them in the search results that you could only find them by searching for them from the account that you were already a member from. So if you have an issue like that, let us know. We'll invite you directly. So that way you can actually find the group again and rejoin us in those conversations. That said, I digress. Back to Bobby Seal. All right, uh, a, tip, a technique typical of the power structure and their fascist pigs were those used in Los Angeles from mid-1969 to the point where they attacked 
the Los Angeles Black Panther Party office in December of 1969. Prior to the December raid, some 300 leaders and organizers and coordinators of the party throughout Los Angeles. About 50 members, the key ones, and ones who were leading and organizing other groups of people in the community were arrested over and over again. 90% of the charges on all those arrests were dropped after we bailed the people out. Those kinds of bails and exorbitant ransoms, which they put on the brothers, were a means they continuously used to deplete our funds. There was consistent harassment. We have complete documentation. It was. Yeah, it really is. It really is. If we're going to hold you hostage for no reason other than you're a BPP member, you know, motherfuckers. Um, where'd it go? We have complete documentation of the arrest that occurred and how the charges were dropped. This is the means by which the fascist, racist police in LA and the power structure were trying to wipe out the Black Panther Party. This has been a national operation with a consistent pattern to it. It became more and more exposed when they murdered brothers Fred Hampton and Mark Clark in Chicago and shot up other Panther Party members. Across the country in 1969, with their Mission Impossible Mission Imperialist operation, it appears that they in fact murdered brother Alex Rackley in New Haven, Connecticut, or used a lackey informer to do so. 14 party members were arrested in raids in which they were supposedly looking for Rackley's killers. The pigs raided the Detroit office, the Boston office, the New York office, the Chicago office, and the Denver office. They had previously raided the New Haven office and the Indianapolis office. They also raided the Sacramento office and shot it up. The San Diego office was raided, but the party or Panther Party members weren't in it at the time. A lot of our offices around the country have been attacked and shot up two or three times, and Panther Party members have been shot up. The raids and the attacks upon the Black Panther Party are interlocked with the whole operation to kill as many party members as possible. That's one of the reasons we started the Black Panther Party newspaper. So the black person in New York could read what was happening in Los Angeles, Atlanta, or Chicago, or anywhere else in the nation. All the people who got the Black Panther Party newspaper can read what's really happening about the thousands of black brothers and sisters who are murdered, shot, and brutalized in the black communities and the wretched ghettos throughout the country. Circulation for the Black Panther Party's paper has gone up in thousands. It's gotten to the point where the Black Panther Party is out circulating any other underground type news the power structure is trying to stop and smash the black panther party because the party is ready to show and expose the racist power structure for what it is. To expose what Eldridge Cleaver identifies as the three levels of oppression. 
the avaricious businessmen, the demagogic politicians, the fascist pig police forces that have been doubled, tripled, and quadrupled in every major city and wherever there are black people or brown people, people who are protesting or progressive white people. This is a fascist state that's breeding. And the power structure has to get rid of the Black Panther Party because the party is setting forth ideology and teaching the people correct methods. We talk not only about the fact that we defend ourselves against oppression, but we begin to expose Another, another low signal moment. Uh, we defend ourselves against oppression, but we begin to expose the power structure with our breakfast for children, our free health clinics, and free clothing programs. We've been arrested on the streets for selling the paper and charged with loitering and blocking the sidewalk. I'd just like to point out that loiter itself is a bullshit term. All that means is how dare you exist in these money loiter anywho there have been underground agent provocateur operations and lies about the party members killing former panthers it's all an attempt to mislead the people about the real philosophy and program of the party so the cops can justify making raids on our offices agent provocateur operations were headlined in the papers and blown up some of the agents were black racists working with the pigs. The McClellan committee and people like them allow the pigs to raid us and they try to justify their actions in raiding our offices and shooting up offices. I hope people can see the pattern for me. The pattern becomes set when the FBI and the local police department in Connecticut arrest 14 members of the Black Panther Party and charge them with conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to kidnap, and also with murder and kidnap, 14 people. Half of them are leaders, righteous leaders of the Black Panther Party, like Sister Erica Huggins, who was the deputy chairman in Connecticut. At the time they were arrested, they were ready to set up the Breakfast for Children program. The brothers in New York were beginning to move with the breakfast program when they got busted on trumped up charges. These operations and the way the power structure is moving make it clear and evident to me that it's a pattern. It's an attempt on their part to give us a lot of trouble and problems in trying to set up these programs. This kind of attack is another part of the pattern. Complete information on all the arrests and all the charges that have been dropped against party members will show how the power structure has been using these arrest tactics to deplete the funds of the Black Panther Party. Nearly every Panther office in the country has been raided. In Des Moines, Iowa, they blew up the office, literally bombed it. There had been a big rally with people in the community who were ready to support the Breakfast for Children program. White and black people were ready to support that program and get that program off the ground. And the pigs just bombed the office. The year 1969 was the year of the pigs raiding Panther Party offices, trying to wipe the party out and trying to wipe out the community programs. And before we move on to the next section, I would just like to point out that the only reason that we even have 
meal programs in our schools that are now across the fucking board that, I mean, when I was a kid, it was still only even lunch at that point in time. Nowadays, there's breakfast and lunch in most public schools. This is where it began. This was that spark that ignited at least some kind of fire under people's asses going, wait a minute, kids shouldn't sit in school hungry all day. It was the Black Panther Party's Breakfast for Children program that inspired all of that. So if you have kids in public school who are getting meals there, breakfast and lunch, and in some cases even around here, they send the kids home with a bag of snacks for later too, thank the Black Panther Party for it. Because we wouldn't have that in our schools if it wasn't for the Black Panther Party instilling that and going, wait a fucking minute, no child deserves to go hungry. So... Thank you, Black Panther Party. The next section is called Renegades, Jack and Apes, and Agent Provocateurs. When Huey, when Huey found out I had been arrested on the shotgun charge, he immediately tried to get bail money. He got the brothers together and told them to get the Black Panther newspapers, take their cars, go out to the rich, some $60.00. But the fourteen hundred. We needed another eighty for my bond. Huey told the brothers we had to raise the money with the papers at twenty-five cents per copy. Hmm. There were about four thousand copies left of the second issue of the Black Panther Party newspaper. The brothers took off with them, but instead of going out and selling the papers, they got to driving around with some chicks in North Richmond. When they got back some three or four hours later, they had only sold about 25 papers and used up a lot of gas. You mean you haven't sold any more papers than this, Huey asked him. One of the brothers admitted after some debate that they hadn't really been selling papers. To hell with selling these papers right now, man. I'm a jive with these chicks. And shit, now my my phone does stupid shit sometimes, and it just jumped back about 20 pages. Give me a second to catch back up with where we were. Um, I apparently touched the button on the slide bar that just makes it jump. Okay. There we go. Uh... To hell with selling these papers right now, man. I'm a jive with these chicks, one of the brothers had said. They had brought some of the chicks with them, and Huey didn't want to embarrass the cats. He took the brothers to the side and said, take the girls back. You can get with them later. Go sell the papers. They went back to Richmond, but they messed around again and didn't sell the papers. So Huey kicked every last one of them out of the party. When you guys were all up in jail in Sacramento, he said, Bobby got bailed out, and the first thing he did was go to work to get you out. He was really worried about you guys getting bailed out and tried to get lawyers and everything. Now you guys are jiving around and the brother's in jail and you won't do the same for him? That's not unity between brothers. You aren't captains anymore. Nobody is nothing. If you want to work for the party, you're going to sell papers. Take off your guns. You don't know how to be responsible to the community and to the people. You don't know how to be responsible to your leaders in the party. So all of you, you're out of the party. You're busted. I had been out of jail three days, but I still didn't know about this. I noticed a kind of depression around the office and said to myself, what's wrong with these guys? 
They were still hanging around. They wouldn't leave because deep down inside, they really liked the party. It's just that they went astray and violated some basic rules. Three days later, they pulled me off to the side and said, the other day, Brother Huey busted us all. And the reason for it was because we goofed off, man. We should have been working to help get bail money to get you out, Bobby. We're sorry, man. I went and told Huey. The brothers told me what they did and the fact that you busted all of them. Huey said, they're going to have to learn how to get themselves together. I said, it's important that we stick together and not be jiving around with each other or we don't have an organization. They asked me to forgive them for it, and I did. Huey agreed, so we let them back into the party. Problems like this kept arising, though. About a week later, we heard that some brothers had bags of weed in their possession. We called them all together, discussed the problem, told them that there was a rule in the party that said we couldn't have any weed in us because the cops were always watching us and it was dangerous for any party member to have grass on him. We sat down and wrote some explicit rules. They were written out in an ordered form for the first time. We got the brothers to help us make the rules. We said that when someone breaks the rules, then it's the responsibility of all the other members of the party to see to it that the person was put on suspension or kicked out of the party. Some of the other rules that we made were that a party member couldn't I would pick up reading. Oh, good. You're back. I was going to say, I would pick up reading, but I don't even know where we're at. I don't even have the book open yet. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm finally getting the, the website uh, post up. So give me just a minute. But uh, what page okay. are we on? I will finish out page 204 if you want to pick up on 205. Okay. Um, we said that when someone breaks the rules, then it's the responsibility of all the other members of the party to see to it that the person is put on suspension or kicked out of the party. Some of the other rules that were made were that a party member couldn't point or fire a weapon at anyone other than an attacking enemy, that members shouldn't steal anything, not even a needle or a piece of thread from the people, and that members weren't supposed to wear an weren't supposed to swear and cuss at the people because that's not serving them today we have 26 rules about half of them i don't know how to get it shit together um, <laughs> Today we have rules. About half of them are primarily individual members of the Black Panther Party. The others are for office and party functions as a whole and for carrying out political duties in the community. And then I don't know if you're on the page yet or not. If not, I'll keep reading until you find it. Give me just a, just a second. I'm still... I did something wrong and I'm trying to fix it. Okay. Since the early That's... days, a lot of incidents happened where cats have broken the rules. Some of this was because agents provocateurs have come into the party 
and have deliberately stirred up problems and done things in violation of the party's principles and rules. One of the things I remember very clearly was when Jay jumped out of a Black Panther Party truck and held up a diamond. The big white van had Black Panther newspaper Technical difficulties, please stand by. I'm opening the book now. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? You know, the whole time earlier, it gave me no issues. Yeah. Until you now. joined the chat. <laughs> right. What the hell's going on? And I'm like, right. It, it was connecting just fine for like the first hour and a half. But anyway. Okay. What page was it again? 20 what? 205. Um, where was I? The big white van had Black Panther newspaper written right on its side in big black letters and was primarily used for hauling newspapers and distributing them around the community. David Milliard and I had told Jay and S, which he's not putting their whole names there. It's just Jay and then dashes and S and then dashes. I'm not sure why he censored their names. And unless he just did not want them permanently connected with the party. Um, but he says, David Milliard and I had told Jay and us to take the truck across the bay to San Francisco and pick up the eight or 10 brothers who had been working most of the night over there putting out the paper. From what we found out through our investigations, S apparently drove the truck up to a diner and went to the restroom. They had already picked up the eight other brothers. Jay was in the front of the truck. The other eight cats were in the back of the truck and didn't know anything about what happened. When S walked back to the truck, he saw Jay walking away from the diner with a money box and a gun in his hand. Man, what's going on? S asked. I ain't doing nothing, man. It's cool, Jay said. S decided to drive the truck and get out of there. They were picked up by the pigs five minutes later. Jay shot and seriously wounded one cop. What S should have done, he was a captain and a coordinator of the party, was to have taken the gun away from Jay, given the $80 back to the cashier, and then brought Jay to the central, uh, to the party central committee for discipline. But he said he made the mistake of driving away from the diner, which is why at one point we suspected him of possibly being an agent provocateur too. We didn't know for sure about Jay either, but our suspicions were high. I was down at Santa Barbara for a speaking engagement at the time. I was sitting there when I read the papers about the shootout and robbery in San Francisco. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was some kind of trumped up operation. When I got back to the office late that night, I saw that David had written on the blackboard that no guns are to be carried unless authorized by the Central Committee. The next day, we publicly put Jay out of the party we got all the other brothers out of jail finally, except Jay. About a month later, Jay got out of jail and came to us. He said I was carrying out the Minister of Defense's program. You're a damn liar, we said. You weren't carrying out any Minister of Defense's program, not by pulling a, a petty jive robbery. And then Jay asked me, well, Bobby, what do you think about it? He was trying to divide me from David and Bunchy. Uh, David said, what do you mean? What does Bobby think about it? It's what me, Bobby, the Central Committee, Huey, Eldridge Cleaver, everybody thinks about it. It's all of us together. And I said, that's right, man. 
you weren't carrying out the Minister of Defense program. Not like that, you weren't. You must be crazy, man. I'm sorry. You got to get out of the party. Bunchy later saw that Jay was trying to put on some kind of front of still being a revolutionary. So Bunchy told him, if you're a good man, if you just made a mistake, nobody can hold a good man down. If you're a true revolutionary, you'll serve the people, but you're still not in the party. You can't explain that stuff to us, not by saying that you think you are carrying out the minister's program. All right. I, like, that's one thing. Like, where the fuck would he even get off trying to say that of like, oh, well, the minister of defense told me to go fucking rob this place. I'm surprised that they didn't punch him. Right. Fuck. <laughs> like, I would have. I would have at least felt like knocking the motherfucker out. Like, how dare you? How dare you go to jail on that shit and even show your face at the fucking party office again? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> are you are you trying to get your ass beat? Um, Come on, dude. So I wanted to uh, go to the comments. I, I know that we haven't really been in them. I was driving and you were reading. Um, but Natalie said, I didn't know there was a White uh, Panther Party formed. What happened to it? Uh, what about ng to his day and age and i think she's saying bringing it into this day and age i think it's just a typo uh, oh. how, how to get it going again today and um actually in the last couple of years there's been a lot of organizations inspired by the black panther party that have come into existence um not all of them but um you know there was there was some that were already around like the the cubs of the black panthers um, but my, my suggestion is to, uh, search in your area for Panther party organizations. A lot of them have social media pages, uh, whether it be a Twitter account or a Facebook page. Um, in terms of what happened to them, I would assume that they kind of fell apart when the black Panther party did just too much outside sabotage uh, she also right. said republicans that i know have no understanding of the difference between a liberal and the real left they think biden is a socialist and the right need, needs to use that uh to scare the right against the destruction of the usa um yeah yeah you're absolutely correct there um I'll be right back, though. My dogs are bugging the fuck out. I think they need to piss. <laughs> I, uh, I Natalie also said that I was right about liberals not understanding that they are basically centrist neoliberals. The thing is that centrists, moderates, liberals uh, in general um, all end up, whether they mean to or not, they all end up supporting the status quo. Uh, any activity that they take inside the system ultimately serves the people in power. Um, that's my opinion. And then Ron pointed out that the White Panther Party was started by three Michiganders. Um, Pun Plamadon, I probably butchered that, Lenny Sinclair and her husband, John Sinclair, who was infamously jailed for 10 years for pop possession, inspiring a song by John Lennon. Um, and he was involved with the fight for legalization all the way up until it actually got legalized and was it 2018 or 2016 i forget 
Um, but John Sinclair has been fighting the legalization fight since the 70s. Um, I don't know if he's still politically active, but he used to speak at Hash Bash every year. Um, and because of that, I've heard him speak at more than one uh, Hash Bash rally. Um, but yes, uh, if it wasn't copyrighted, I would totally play the John Lennon song. It's it's good. Um, yeah, anyway, we're caught up on comments now. Uh, so back to the book. When that thing happened, we got phone calls from all over the place. We had a lot of support. It's some cops, some agents messing over you all, people said. Uh, they knew that petty robbery wasn't what the party was about. If you get involved in that stuff, then the older people in the community misunderstand the party. You also mislead the young lumpen proletarian cat who probably has got the guts enough to commit a robbery, but who we want in the party so we can politically educate him that robbery isn't the way to go about solving the social problems that put him in this situation in the first place. In other words, uh, unlike the power system, they were, they were trying to address these issues. Um, if you address poverty, you address the conditions that drive people to crime. Um, Anyway, so we saw that somehow or another, this kind of activity was agent provocateur type activity. We couldn't prove anything right away against Jay. We thought that either he had flipped his lid or he was an agent provocateur. We didn't kick S out of the party, but after we helped bail him out, he came around trying to support Jay's position. I began to suspect him and decided to just watch his actions. A lot of times we actually bailed cats out, even though they'd done wrong, to try and find out what the heck was wrong with them, to try to find out who was doing what, and who was leading what, and who was causing this stuff to happen. Finally, it got so bad that the next bunch of jackanapes <laughs> who got busted, uh, some cats riding around in a panther car with broken lights, no registration, and carrying guns, we decided we weren't going to bail them out. Uh, David said, we're not going to be putting out no more bail money for cats who are going to violate the rules of the party. When this stuff hits the papers, it looks like we're just a bunch of hoodlums and thugs just because a couple of individuals start acting the fool. And um, we still see that kind of agent provocateur situation um, in modern movements. Uh, look at the Occupy protests. Um, nine times out of 10, when violence was escalated by the protesters and not the police, Everybody in the crowd's like, I don't even know who that guy was. He has, I've never seen him before. Anyway, um, Natalie said, I'm in Illinois, so there might be a good chance of finding something still organized. I will try to search around later. If you're in the Chicago area, Natalie, I would suggest looking into the Cubs of the Black Panthers if they're still around or... Um, I forget if it's the new Black Panther Party or the Huey P. Newton Gun Club that has an active Chicago chapter. Um, about six brothers and sisters in the party disagreed and said we should bail them out anyway. When we asked why, they said because they're Black. And we said, no, we're not going to bail them out just because they're Black. They're not serving the people. In fact, they're destroying the party. We got to let people know that these type of individuals are not running the party. We should kick them out. This small group of five or six cats didn't like that. So we told them to go raise the bail money themselves. And uh, personally, I think they made the right choice. I mean, 
I don't think it's too authoritarian to have standards to meet, especially when the, the power structure, especially the police, you've already got a target on your back. Don't make it harder on yourself. Um, anyway, that was the start of a little black racist jackanape faction in the party. As it turned out, this, uh, this faction had an agent pro uh, provocateur in it, and we didn't know it. P was a righteous agent provocateur who came into the party in 1968. This little faction of cats was hanging on more to black racism than to a progressive revolutionary program of serving the people. This little faction um, didn't understand that it was a class struggle we were in and not a race struggle. Um, so again, we're seeing the intersectionality between race and class. Um, I think that deciphering, you know, that uh, that intersection itself was a, a key point of what the Panther Party was doing and what they needed to do. Anyway, the agent provocateurs used the cats who refused to be politically educated and to follow the party's revolutionary principles and rules. Half of the cats who didn't follow the program were being led astray by agent provocateur activity. We didn't know it at first, but we felt and knew that something was definitely going wrong. A little crew of about 10 or 12 cats had been meeting and getting together in a certain little corner around town at night. P was the leader of this crap and beside, uh, behind the scenes <clears throat> was talking really negatively about the party. These cats didn't understood or didn't understand rather that revolution doesn't only mean that you mask the people and teach them that they have the right to defend themselves against unjust police attacks. What they didn't understand is the revolution also means you have to implement basic community programs like breakfast for children, liberation schools, free health clinics, and really work on these programs every day. They didn't understand how this educates the masses of people to put more revolutionary political pressure on the existing power structure to implement similar programs which, by the way, worked. The Breakfast for Children program is now available at every public school in the United States. Um, anyway, they didn't understand that you have to work hard at this, and P was consistently leading them away from working on these things. So I just want to interject here because they talk about a couple of their um, most crucial uh, community programs. And I think that instead of breakfast for children, I think we need to focus more on, you know, mutual aid. How about breakfast for fucking everybody? Um, liberation schools, we need that. Free health clinics, don't even get me started. Now, the question is, how do we find medical professionals who are willing to do these uh, out of the goodness of their heart or with very little payment? That's the whole thing. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be paid because they deserve more than anybody else in the party um, or in whatever party. Obviously, today it may not be specifically the Black Panther Party doing this. But my point is, how do we get um, doctors and nurses to do free health clinics? How do we get cooks to uh, cook meals for people? How do we get you know, your average people to donate produce and, and meats and, um, you know, animal free proteins uh, to, to, to get these programs off the ground. It takes more than one person, especially when everybody's struggling. How 
do we come together as a community to take care of each other? And that's been a big focus of what I want to do personally on the ground where I live is get these kind of programs off the ground or get involved with already happening programs that are that have similar aims. But again, how do we get medical professionals especially involved? How do we get teachers involved? Um, anyway, uh, Calvin is in the comments. He put a couple of links up to um, one of them's to a podcast episode of his podcast, Talking Financially. Um, I recommend everybody go check it out. All right. Um, anyway, um, they didn't understand that you have to work hard at this, and P was consistently leading them away from working on these things. These cats are what the party calls jackanapes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I've never seen this word before. Um, a jackanape is a fool. He's foolish, but he's not scared of the police. He's foolish in that he'll get himself killed. Uh, if you don't straighten him out and try to politically educate him, he will definitely bring the party down. If there's an agent provocateur around, the agent will hinder your attempts to politically educate these cats and will lead them to do crazy things based on emotions rather than work based on understanding a social change. For example, a jackanape will come walking down the street with a gun in his hand talking about fuck, uh, fuck the pigs. I ain't going to jail. Then he'll be surrounded by 25 cops with shotguns pointed at his head and he'll go to jail. Deep down inside, he really doesn't have anything to defend because he doesn't know what he's defending. That goes back to the political education. Um, I just lost my spot because he doesn't know what he's defending. That's where I was. Real revolutionaries are like the brothers in the LA shootout where the pigs attack the office and pulled a pre-dawn raid on them. Same thing they killed Fred Hampton in, by the way. Um, these brothers defended that office because they were really defending the community programs that we were trying to set up. They defended themselves because they realized that the power structure wanted to rip them off and systematically exterminate them, that it wanted to prevent the organizing and uniting of the people around revolutionary programs. And we have seen that again and again and again. Now think about MLK. Uh, the liberals love to use him as an example. Um, they never talk about the fact that he was a socialist. Um, but like, what was he doing? It wasn't the civil rights movement that got him killed. It was the poor people's campaign. With Fred Hampton, it wasn't uh, necessarily just the Black Panther Party that got him killed. It was the Rainbow Coalition. Um, you know, that's, that's just examples in that context. Um, it's been happening for decades. Natalie said, I wonder if that's where the Jacobin News got its name, or is it different spelling? Um, it's, it's a different spelling. Uh, the Jacobins were a type of kind of center-left um, socialist ideology from France. Um, I don't know enough about them to go in any more detail than that, but um, I believe that's where Jacobin News 
got its name. Are the MPP a DNC org? Um, well, I mean, Nina Turner was like the headliner, the headline speaker at their convention, and she ran as a Democrat. So, I mean, that says a lot. Um, I'm really conflicted on how I feel about the Nina Turner situation right now. I wish she would have won. So we had another progressive in Congress that we could call out for not doing their job. But I think that we've seen time and time again that Democrats are not going to do what we elect them to do, uh, just like the Republicans won't. I don't think that there is a two-party way out of this. I don't think the DNC can be reformed. And at this exact moment in time, I do tend to think that the movement for a People's Party is a DNC sheepdog. Um, I would love to be proven wrong on that. I would very much love to be proven wrong on that. Because um, I had a lot of hope for them until, you know, they're keynote people started started running as democrats that's not how you build a new party anyway calvin said i think the progressives do get paid to lose i'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole i will go down a rabbit hole man but i'm pretty sure that you're right um Anyway, back to the book. A true revolutionary will get up early in the morning and he'll go serve the free breakfast for children. And then when that's done, he'll go and he'll organize a boycott around a specific issue to support breakfast for children or support any other kind of program. He'll do revolutionary work in the community. He'll uh, propagandize the community. Uh, he'll pass out leaflets. As a citizen in the community and a member of the Black Panther Party, he'll go to the firing range and take firing practice. But he'll follow all the gun laws and he won't conceal his weapon or other jive shit. Well, they said jive stuff, but I felt like shit flowed better. <laughs> um, he'll follow the rules and be very dedicated. He is constantly trying to politically educate himself about the revolutionary principles and how they function to get a broad perspective. He'll also defend himself and his people when we're unjustly attacked by racist pigs. Whereas a jackanape generally works from an opportunistic position. He centers things only around himself. He's still, he's still selfish. He thinks his pot and his wine are above the party. He thinks his gun is something that he can use at will to rip off stuff for himself. He can be pol uh, politically educated. That's definite. But if you've got agent provocateurs um, running around sent in by the CIA or the FBI, black guys running around talking one thing and doing another thing, then it makes it much harder because they mislead the jackanapes into doing all kinds of jive things to actually destroy the party. You have to expose the informers and agent, uh, agent provocateurs to the people. The cats in the black racist faction and some other cats who had come into the party a long time before were cats who had pulled robberies. We told them that if they were going to be in the party, they'd better not do that kind of stuff because that's not the party's program and the party does not endorse it. We even told all these cats that they didn't have to worry about rent and food as long as the party had some funds. We said that five or six members could rent a house together and the rent would be cheaper and they wouldn't have to worry about a place to stay and their other needs. As long as people were dedicated revolutionaries and worked around the clock, the party would take care of them. <clears throat> 
We never pay anybody a salary. We just take care of the basic necessities of the party members. These cats knew that they shouldn't be pulling robberies. One day, just before David and I went to New York, A, one of the cats relating to that little uh, Jack and Ape group, walked up to us and said, hey, man, I need to rip off some money. And we said, say, man, before you came into the party, maybe that's what you were doing. But you don't do that anymore because the party doesn't endorse that crap. You cats have got to worry or don't have to worry about rent and food. So he said, OK, man, we thought everything was cool. David and I had to go out of town that evening. We went to New York and the next day, David called the national headquarters to check in and he turned to me real disgusted. Bobby, we can't leave that damn place 24 hours before some jack and ape or some fool is messing up. K's old lady is on the phone talking about some jive robbery that A and K were in. And I said, A knows better than that. We were just telling him yesterday we don't go for that shit. And David said, man, we better hurry up and finish our business here and get on back because these jack and apes and fools are going to try and destroy this party if we don't watch them. Uh, Natalie said, I'm having a lot of video freezing and cutouts. Not sure if it's just on my end. Is that, uh, are you, are you like live or are you back when Trisha was cutting out? Otherwise, I hope it's, uh, you know, just an issue with your signal, maybe. I hope we're not coming across all garbled. Um, you've been coming through clear on my end. Hmm. Um. All right. Well, um, when we got back, or when we got back, Deputy, uh, Deputy Chief of Staff June Hillier gave us the report and gave us some newspapers to read. It was really a damn shame. They tried to rob a grocer for two hundred dollars on Main Street in broad daylight at two o'clock in the afternoon. Six of them did it with shotguns, M1s, forty-five, etc., and they were party guns. We were disgusted. They could have walked up and asked me or whoever was handling the funds for money for rent or whatever they need it for. Um, we get 500 to to $1,000 for each speaking engagement we do. And I was doing 10 or 12 a month myself. They didn't have to rob that place. We blasted them in the press. We said that they were provocateurs, fools, and jackanapes, and that they only wanted to use the party. Um, I lost my spot. They only wanted to use the party as a base for some petty criminal operation, which the party doesn't have anything to do with and does not endorse whatsoever. <clears throat> Give me just a second here. I am going to, that's better. Okay. I, I zoomed in and now it's not so tiny. Um, hold on. Natalie said, MPP seems to want the same policies as most socialist Democrats do. Uh, came out after 2016, burning lost. Um, the main guy, I forgot his name right now, was involved directly with Bernie Sanders, I think he said. But that's the thing, too. I'm not, I'm not saying that Bernie isn't serious about the things he's saying. Obviously, he is. He's been saying the same things for 40 years. But I think that he knew that he was going to lose. I think he knew after 2016 that the Democrats were not going to let him win. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about the other <clears throat> movement for a People's Party people who have ran on the Democratic ticket. 
I mean, Nina Turner lost. Are you fucking kidding me? She ran as a Democrat and she lost. Like she was, she was polling um, as a as a potential presidential candidate for twenty twenty four. Like just based off of, of of speaking engagements. I mean, it's just it's just kind of crazy, I guess. Um, I I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't want to speculate too much on Nina Turner. I still am sad that she lost, but I also think that some people that were on the fence probably would have been less on the fence if she wasn't running on the Democratic ticket when the progressive Democrats that we have elected have kind of, you know, stopped fighting. Nancy Pelosi said, calm down, and they got right in line. And that's not what we elected them for. Um, again, that's just my opinion. If anybody else disagrees with me, you can you can state your opinion in the comment. We'll talk about it. It's fine. But uh, I think it was a bad choice to run on the Democratic ticket. Um, anyway, the party's central committee and the rules are completely opposed to this. We ran all of this through the Panther paper, too. K and A were in jail. Supposedly, some of the others got away. We had to put word out through the grapevine, don't even come around the party to everyone who is supposed to have participated in that so-called robbery because you're out of the party. You're no longer members of the Black Panther Party and you don't represent the party. Two days later, um, the house were, the house where AK and P had been staying was raided by the police. A couple more brothers who were all staying over there and who weren't necessarily in the little jive faction were all busted. We went down and got P out because we thought he was a good cat who just who got busted just on this bullshit raid. Uh, we also got a couple more out of jail because we didn't know that uh, that they weren't in the holdup or because we knew that they weren't in the holdup. We trusted those cats and we just got them out of jail because they were getting railroaded. Well, sure as shit, about a month later, we got some information that P knew that the robbery was going to be pulled while David and I were in New York. We called him to a central committee meeting and said, hey, man, look, we found out that you knew about this robbery and that you didn't report it to the deputy chief of staff. You were even the officer of the day then, and you were supposed to report it in. Well, I just don't know nothing or I didn't know nothing about it, man. I didn't know nothing about it. Then he told us the story that he just didn't have enough time to get back and report it, that he was being negligent. We put him on working suspension for one month. Meanwhile, K and A were still in jail and we refused to bail him out. The faction, uh, some of them were still hanging around inside the party, said, you should bail him out. They didn't like it at all when we refused. We told K's wife that she didn't have to worry about anything as long as she was working in the party, but if this, that if she wanted K out, she'd have to hustle the money herself. The next thing that P was involved in was uh, around that coloring book situation. It's very important because there was a testimony at the, uh, the McClellan Committee uh, hearing against the party about this. The coloring book situation started way back in November of 68. That coloring book was drawn by a cat in Sacramento, an artist who had black racist ideas. We tried to educate the brothers who had real narrow-minded cultural nationalist ideas, which breed black racist thoughts. 
So we told him to start trying to do some kind of art that depicts the true revolutionary program. He went to Sacramento and did some drawings that he wanted to make up into a coloring book. He peri uh, periodically brought back what he'd finished to the party office. And I would tell him, look, brother, you're showing a Black Panther with all, with all muscles. Every picture you draw, the Black Panthers look like Superman. We're just human beings and people like everybody else. Some are short. Some of the chicks are fine, but not all of us are what we call pretty. Some of us are skinny and some of us are fat. Some of us do have muscles, but we're not all that way. This coloring book you drew, it's got too many racist overtones. Another thing, you show a panther shooting a cop. What you're showing is something without the political context, the reason why the panther would shoot a cop. You've got to show the panther defending himself from the unjust attacks by the cop. Now, if you show a black man being brutalized and unjustly attacked and a panther coming out of his door with a gun to help defend that black brother from the unlawful attack by the cop or something like that, then you're showing the political context and showing the right of black men to defend themselves. That's what you have to do. You know what I mean? I ran all this stuff down and this cat took it, uh, took it back to work on it. In November, he finished and brought it all down to the central committee meeting one Sunday, but it was still all wrong. And I told him, no, man, this book doesn't show enough political content, man. It's got too much of that black racist overtones. You have to learn the party's revolutionary principles and once you see the principles, you'll be able to draw like Emery because Emery can give political content and meaning to the way he draws. Well, I guess he loved his art and liked the book the way it was. He had 25 of those books printed up in Sacramento and brought them uh, down to the office. Uh, then he got someone working in the mimeograph room to print more of them up. And we stopped him and said, no, man, don't print any more of those books, man. Those books aren't right. You know what I mean. Let's make another coloring book that shows the revolutionary political content. Sometime around January in 1969, after Kay was kicked out of the party, he went and printed up a thousand more of those books. A little factionalizing schism group that P was running uh, took the books and distributed them behind the scenes against the orders of the Central Committee. Uh, committee. And I want to point out that in a Marxist-Leninist, in a democratic centralist setup, which ironically enough is the same way our podcast runs, but with a democratic centralist setup, there is diversity of ideas, there is debate of ideas, but there is unity in action. So, I mean, them going against the orders of the Central Committee right from the get-go is reactionary as hell. And I'm surprised that that wasn't the final straw for them. But anyway, um, we didn't even suspect till a month after the robbery that something was wrong with Pete. We heard after we wouldn't bail out K&A that the factionalizing group was talking about the party ain't right. The party ain't doing right. We thought they were just, uh, you know, a little group of dudes acting a fool. And we said, man, later for them dudes. Then we found out uh, from one person that P seemed to be the leader of the whole thing. His function was to be the advocate among this little group of cats who related more to black racism than to the party program. During that month that P was on suspension, he came down every day and worked in the office steadily for about three weeks. Then one day he walked into the office with somebody that no one had ever seen before. Now we've got a little sign posted, nobody but authorized personnel beyond this point. You can come into the front section of the national headquarters office, but you can't go all ro roaming through the back unless you're a member of the party. 
we figured that cops would send agent provocateurs in to plant weed or something on us in the back room or figured that they might come in and plant a bomb in a fucking briefcase and leave it there to blow us up. That's why we don't let everybody walk back through the offices. Unauthorized people stay in the front section of the office where the officer of the day and all the brothers and sisters working in there can watch them. He brought this cat all through the back. June and David happened to spot him, and David told me later on that evening, man, P brought some dude in I ain't never seen showing him our machines and shit. There's a $2,500 machine, an electric stencil machine, a $450 uh, mimeograph machine, our tape recorders, and other equipment back there. David said June stopped him and asked him who the heck did he think he was, bringing strangers all in the back, showing the party's equipment and carrying on. And P said... Well, man, this brother here wanted to get in the party, and I was just showing him around the place But uh, here. Wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. This is June, by the way. You can't bring anybody back here. The man isn't in the party. Don't be doing that. You know you're wrong. Furthermore, I'm reporting you to the Central Committee. At the Central Committee meeting, David told P, I heard about you over there running around with this old bunch of jack and apes and cats who related to that uh, who's relating to that black racism and perpetuating that crap. So the best thing you can do is get on away from the party. Get on away and don't even come around the party office anymore because it seems to me that maybe you're the one who's been getting people to steal other stuff out of our office when we're not here at night. Two 357 Magnums have, uh, have been stolen and a couple more machines and tape quarters are missing. Uh, David ran it down. And, and, and that's in addition to the weapons that were stolen from the party to commit the fucking robbery that they got arrested for. Uh, there's comments. Hold on. Natalie said, it's all friggin' crazy. I'm really sad she lost. I think the DNC would do anything to have her lose. I don't disagree with that. Um, Calvin said the county she lost is 68% white and she was attacked for that. Uh, but yet she lost and also outraised brown she conceded when she was five percent down anyway yeah i heard that it was called with uh only 40 percent of the vote reported so that's sketchy to me especially for a special election but anyway sorry she was attacked for having a white dominant fundraiser there about 18 percent turned to vote hmm. all right how's it going over there trish mm -hmm. Snacking. <laughs> Trying to catch up with where you're at there. I'm, the very I bottom of page 11? 210. The very bottom of page 210. About to be 211. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I bumped my phone again when I went back down and sent it scrolling back to like page 130 something and was like, shit. So it yeah. took me a minute to catch up I with think, where you're at. I think that we'll stop um at the top of page 213 um so that way i mean i don't we can't just push through to the end there's still like 20 something pages left but we can push through to make part 13 the final piece does that make any sense i think i lost her so that loops uh, me out with ether again. Um, again, want to stop at the next section. Um, it's actually the end of two fourteen is the end of the section because it goes through the rules. Well, right. I didn't. I didn't mean the end of the section. Weekend. 
I didn't mean the end of the section. I meant the the part before the rules, you know, just pick it up there next time because we're, I mean, we're already going kind of long, but um, I mean, you know, there's, oh, there's still a whole nother piece left. For sure. Um, I was just thinking we could finish the section because it's only two more pages. Uh, but what time is it? 730. Oh, it's 1030. So we've been going about two hours now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said you're at the bottom of two turns. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to finish my food and then I can take another turn reading if you want. Right on. All right. So. You come around here showing people that stuff. I've been on the block long enough to know a hood and a thug when I see one. And if a fool like you who is in the party is going to run around and deal with cats like that and isn't going to send them through the proper channels of the party, it seems to me that you're the one that's pulling all this shit. You also got that factionalizing group over there. Get away from this party and stay away and don't even come back here no more. That's the way it was. The next thing we heard was that some chick in the group tried to hold up a Wells Fargo bank with an M1. She went into the Wells Fargo bank. The cops were waiting for her and she got arrested. The job was set up by P. Well, we still weren't sure that P was a righteous CIA agent provocateur, but we knew he was doing something wrong and all suspicion was pointed towards him. Then P got four or five other ex-Panthers and went up north to Seattle to try to sway the Seattle branch against the national headquarters. So when they couldn't take it out from outside, they started taking it down from inside. And I encourage everybody to be wary of that in their, in their daily organizing. Watch out for people who are trying to turn comrades against each other. Watch out for people who are working against the interest of the organization. This still happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They got up there and it came out in the papers that they had been busted for possession of hashish. Then they all got cut loose. Red flag much, especially in that day and age. Right. There's something you, sneaky you, you, about it. Robbery, but all you get is your weed took and kicked loose. Right. Right. Anyway, uh, there's something sneaky about it, and it's tied to the fact that they were trying to split the Seattle branch. And the Seattle branch told us that they were up there trying to do that. Well, with all this information and knowing that P was leading this stuff, we went back and figured out a few things. For instance, there was an article he got into the party newspaper accusing Mark Comfort of working with the police in Oakland. The article said that the police department downtown had given them permission to carry guns, but we found out later that Mark Comfort had organized a program where some of his boys were to protect the black businessmen in the black community and guard their places. Apparently, owners of stores who hire people to guard them can authorize these person to have guns. P wanted us to publicize the fact that Comfort was working with cops in the paper, but we said no, not till we get all the facts. But in the next issue of the paper, the article appeared under the pseudonym SIP. Nobody gave authorization to put that article in the paper, and we found out that P rushed over to the layout room right before the deadline 
and said that we told him to put the article in there, which we had. After the article appeared, Mark Comfort and his group all the way. Huh? I said that's some agent provocateur shit all the way. This is a lion ass motherfucker. I'd have been announcing to everybody in the paper, you know, hey, fuck this guy. We kicked him out just like they did with the previous ones. Like shit, man. Why the fuck? And I, anyway. I, I guess like this really adds a lot of context. I knew that there was like disunity in the party and that's ultimately what led to the downfall of the party. But I didn't realize that it was to this extent. Right. Me neither. Like I knew the FBI and CIA had, you know, like underhanded shit that they were doing to try to infiltrate and destroy the party from within itself. But like that type of shit of having somebody go and publish some shit just to try to paint another panther in a bad light when he in fact was the one who needed to be exposed as you know a bad influence that they did not want nor accept in the party anymore and he himself is getting shit published painting others negatively like fuck that that's that sounds like some agent provocateur shit all the way yeah, And now it kind of has me curious to look up the initials of the cat that was working directly for the FBI that helped set up Fred Hampton, because I can't recall his name right now, but it kind of makes me wonder if he's any of the ones mentioned here that was collaborating with Pete or whatnot, because what the fuck? Yeah. That's... So Natalie said, insiders that are not really comrades, I got to admit, that's something I questioned in my head uh, more than once. And yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, people that, that only seem to participate to try to sow disunity in the group. And or benefit themselves financially, like that fucking theft of the guns and using it to commit a robbery. Yep. Like, Honestly, I'm surprised that they didn't go after them for taking their fucking guns. Like, how dare you steal party guns to go commit a robbery with? Well, yeah, but think about how the press would have painted that. I mean, they were in a really, they were between a rock and a hard place, I think, with that one. I mean, privately, not like sending the fucking pigs after them. I'm going to their house themselves like, Run the guns, motherfucker. They're not yours, you know? Right. Well, I mean, at that point, the cops had them. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, they would have definitely held those. Somebody would have had to prove ownership to be able to get them back out um, and be able to show, look, these were fucking stolen from me, you know? Right. Which would have been far hard to do. Yeah. Yep, that wouldn't help. Never mind. Disregard my entire fucking rant, at least the last like two minutes of it. <laughs> After the article appeared, Mark Comfort and his group got so many phone calls and the people were so down on them talking about how they were pigs that it really destroyed them. It was a means by which P was actually moving to try to get an organization in another part of town fighting and bickering with the party to cause disunity. So... 
This was the next thing that pointed out P to be an agent provocateur in the Black Panther Party. The clear exposure of P involved a black cat who was never really in the party, but who for months came around and hung around the front office. He floated around town while three doors down from hat three doors down from the party's office. He got into an argument with someone inside the little barber shop. Somebody shot this cat right there in front of the barber shop, killed him dead. Sunday morning, the next day, P called a press conference with a small group of other jackanapes and renegades, and he sounded just like fucking J. Edgar Hoover. He said that this dead guy was his brother and that they had both been kicked out of the Black Panther Party and that the party had killed this guy and they were going to kill him. All this was an outright bold-faced lie, which there's no doubt in my mind about that. I mean, from what I can see about the main people in the party... They wouldn't have been down with that kind of revenge anyway. That would have served no political motive and it would have been devastating to the party like it was. Right. Now, I mean, Huey and Bobby especially put the party over everything. I know damn well that the Minister of Defense and the Minister of, I almost said information, but that's Eldridge. What was Bobby, the minister of, uh... Um, wasn't he chairman? Like, chairman of the party itself? I mean, I know there was deputy Maybe. chairman in, in specific offices in different cities, but I think he was the chairman. Fair enough. I'd have to look it back up again, though. Um, it's been a while. Been a while since we read that part, Rob. <laughs> yeah. No. What... <laughs> yeah, right. Now, what this did was <laughs> okay. Quit fucking stepping on me. Spread all over the country the lie that we shoot and kill Black Panther Party members. From all my speculation, this stuff is all connected to that frame up on me and the other brothers in New Haven, Connecticut, which, by the way, wasn't the only time that they tried to set somebody up for killing a cop. Uh, remember that Asada Shakur still lives in Cuba to, to this day over that same bullshit. Yep. Matter of fact, I would like to do a piece on Asada because a lot of people do not know her story and why they went and put her on the most wanted list for defending herself, for defending her own fucking life as cops lit up her fucking car and literally killed one of the other people sitting right next to her. Ask anybody in a fucking reasonable state of mind, if somebody's lighting your fucking car up and killing the people in it, you're going to shoot back if you have a gun, right? Yeah? Yeah, that's called... Well, and I mean, that's kind of the whole point of having a fucking gun. I mean, if somebody is shooting at you, you send rounds back. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, like day one shit. Right. That, that's the basics of gun ownership to protect self. Someone starts shooting at you, you shoot back. But, um, but yeah, also- the cops totally took advantage of that. And of course, you know, the, the press isn't on scene when shit like that's going down because it's not a right. planned thing. Um, and all they have to say is that the Panther Party shot first. And then it's he said, she said, which shouldn't even yep. be admissible in court. That shouldn't even be enough to get a fucking warrant. Fuck no. Fuck no. All it is is hearsay. Show me evidence or fuck off. Right. 
And I mean, I, I understand that that's a hard, that's a hard line to draw for anybody really. Um, you know, like where does hearsay begin and end? Like, I don't know. Obviously the court and the jury for the most part are always, especially a white jury are always going to believe the cops even though they don't have to tell the truth in a courtroom. Right. Cops are not legally held to any fucking ethical standard when it comes to telling the truth, whether it be talking to you as an individual or speaking in a courtroom, they're not actually liable for if they lie on the fucking stand. What is it? Something immunity. Um, Diplomatic? No, that's uh, foreign. Um, Qualified immunity. Qualified immunity. I'd love to know what qualifies them to get to fucking lie and be immune from any fucking repercussions for that. Like, you're taking other people's lives into your fucking hands. Right. You don't have the right to do that. This, This is another reason why um... As far as how this institution currently exists, we need to abolish the fucking police. It does not work. Um, They don't work for us, even though we pay their paycheck. You know, they're not working on our behalves. They actively choose not to because they're not legally obligated to. Yep. They exist to coerce you into a fucking prison by any means possible because that produces profits. That should not be allowed. Um, you know, it would be one thing if instead of the police, like if we abolish the police and replace it with community organization of holding each other accountable, of there still being, you know, some type of investigators to handle actual murder cases and things like that. Um, but this shit of pigs on the streets just to fucking harass people, falsely arrest them, lie on the stand and let me let me sum up why the police don't work like like i mean why our policing system doesn't work uh the same constitutional amendment that ended the slavery supposedly of the black race legalized slavery of of criminals and then who did they fill up the prisons with right so, there's so still- <laughs> slavery is still legal on the books in the United States of America today. Today. Yep. yep. We've got countless prisoners out there being forced to do labor. No pay. Or if, if they do get paid, it's like, oh, we'll give you a few pennies a day for making fucking. Yeah, like literally like $2 a day in, in a lot of states. Still slavery. Yep. Uh, the final thing that really showed P to be an agent provocateur was when the grand jury investigations came down. Who do you suppose comes walking in to testify, escorted by the FBI through the back doors? P, who's still trying to pose like he's somebody, trying to cover up the fact that he's an agent provocateur. He sat there saying that he'd been in the party and told him a bunch of lies about the party. The pigs then used this in the press to try to distort the people's understanding about the party. That effect still rings true today. How many people were taught 
through school or whatever that the Black Panther Party were black supremacists and that they were super violent and all this other bullshit. This is where it comes from. Stuff about the coloring book came up in testimony at the McClellan committee hearings and the national press really used this testimony to try to destroy the party. They said the Black Panther Party has now kicked the book out of the Breakfast for Children program and tried to say it was because of the Senate investigation. They hardly mentioned the real facts, which we ran down in a press conference. The Jack and Apes, led by P on the side, were running around spreading the coloring books. What P had them do is when the kids would leave for uh, would leave breakfast for children, they would find the kids, give them a book and say, I'm a Black Panther. So they stage all this stuff to try to destroy the party politically and try to destroy the party's breakfast for children program. Right around the time of the Senate investigations. What? I said that's horrible. They're manipulating children. That's what fascists do. Panther parties when they've been booted the fuck out repeatedly, like get the fuck gone. And they're posing as Panther members in order to manipulate children. Yeah. That pisses me off. Those kids just needed to come there and have their breakfast and be left in peace to go on to school, not be fucking manipulated into being politically exploited. Anyway. Right around the time of the Senate investigations, A sent a letter to Charlie Gary. In this letter, he said that he had gotten mixed up with the wrong group and the agents, provocateurs, and other cats were the ones who were doing wrong to the party and lying about it. He said that he'd been asked to testify before the McClellan committee and had refused. A got five to life in jail. The purge that we started in the party came after all these provocateur operations by P and others that we didn't know about. After this happened, we stopped letting members into the party. This enabled us to spot the agents provocateurs better because we could see who was doing work, who wasn't doing work, and who was messing things up. By not letting anybody else in, we cut down on the confusion caused by the constant influx of people. Over a thousand people from around the country have been expelled from the party. These people are opportunists, jackanapes, renegades, agents, and all other kinds who just refuse to understand that we subordinate ourselves to the people by serving people. We print the pictures of people we expel from the the party in the Black Panther paper. We also print the reasons why they were expelled so as to explain things to the people. A lot of people will run around and say they're Panther Party members when they're not. Uh, These people will do all kinds of crazy things like intimidating people, romping and running the streets and acting like fools. They give the party a bad name. If someone who is actually a Black Panther Party member is cussing someone out or uh, intimidating people or something like that, then we hope those people are reported um, to the Black Panther Party. They won't be in the party long because we're going to we'll expel them and expose them for exactly what they are. Generally, we keep the party very well disciplined. Party members respect the people in the community and work to serve the people in the community. At the same time, they stand ready to defend the party and the community from the cops who attack us. And I think this is probably the best place to um, cut it so that way we're actually coming into something before the rules uh, for next week's. Okay, so part 13, we'll start back up on page 213. Should be easy enough to recall. Right. (laughs)
And it's uh, the last paragraph before the rules of the Black Panther Party. Natalie said, end all private prisons. Biden was supposed to do, quote, something with that, but many loopholes. Can anyone really believe Biden would do a real reversal of the laws he wrote up in Congress? Pretty far reach. Fuck no. We were warning about that back when we first started this thing and on our personal pages before we started this thing. We knew that we couldn't push right. Biden left. That's why I was pushing like hell for people to vote green. Um, right. I mean, Joe Biden told his donors, who we all knew were the only ones that mattered. Biden told his donors, nothing will fundamentally change. And he meant it. He meant it. He's not out to change anything for the better. That one um, time that he publicly spoke to his donors was the only campaign event where he was honest. The only one. Because he was talking to the people funding his campaign. And that's not you and me. Right. No, it's not. Other uh, than our tax dollars that get allotted to them, you know, since, you know, their campaign funds, you know, there's, there's shit that gets steered directly to Democrats and Republicans. Um, that's part of why we were pushing so hard for people to vote green, because until there is a certain percentage met of votes going to the Green Party, they're not going to be um, able to access those campaigning funds that are federal. Um, they're not going to be able to actually have a seat at the table when it comes to debates. They're not going to be fucking acknowledged. As well, and I mean, they keep moving the goalposts, and I understand that that's disheartening for potential third party voters too. But if we stand up and say, no, you're not going to fucking change it. But right. I mean, first things first, before they move the goalposts again, we need to start meeting those goals. And we can imagine all the progressives right. and all the anarchists and all the communists, which is funny because two of those three groups don't believe in electoral politics. Um, but imagine if these people started organizing in their community, right? And they started voting for a third party, whether it be the Green Party or the Party of Socialism and Liberation or whatever. Imagine what would change. The, the fact of the matter is, is neither Democrats nor Republicans are the actual majority. Okay, exactly. look, there's 350 fucking million people in this country. I don't know. And less than half of that of voted in our over. record turnout election in 2020. Right. There was roughly 80 million for biden it might have been like 82 83 something like that and like 75 for trump that is less than half the population still like come the fuck on wake up and notice the numbers because we outnumbered them we're just also the very disenfranchised who have been burned so many fucking times when it comes to electoral politics that many of us are like man what the fuck if my boat's not even fucking counting, why should I cast it? How but can this we right even here is view why you should cast it just to show these motherfuckers that they are actually the fucking minority, that they do not have the right to keep fucking forcing us to live under right-wing bullshit. How can we even act like we live under a legitimate system when less than half of our people are involved? 
but yet we call Cuba anti-democratic and they have like a 90% participation rate in the party. I'm just fucking saying. Right. Right. They all actually have a say over everything. There's no electoral college bullshit. One person, one fucking vote. They don't have motherfuckers. Well, and I mean, the nomination process is so drastically different too. They don't have a corrupt uh, uh, primary election. What they have is they meet up at the neighborhood (laughs) level of the party and they you know, vote on candidates. And then these candidates go up to the next level of the party and get voted on again. And then they go up to the next level of the party and they get voted on again until there is a candidate that the party backs. And then you either vote yes or no in the general election. How their system functions is drastically different than ours. That doesn't make it anti-democratic. That actually makes it more democratic because everyone actually has peace in the matter. It's right. more democratic than ours ever has been because ours was created from the fucking start with an electoral college that made motherfuckers in rural areas have more weight to their vote than people who live in cities. And that was specifically put in place to make sure that white people had more of a fucking say than anyone else. The and funny event- thing is, is if Cuba wasn't 90 miles off of our coast, we would view it like we view Scandinavia. Right. But it's right off of our coast and they make big impressions when it comes to the changes they've made. I mean, look right now, for example, we've got landlords having a shit fit because they're like, oh my God, I'm losing money. I didn't lose my house. I'm still fine, but my tenants aren't paying. And how dare you stop me from evicting them? Blah, 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 blah. Fuck you. I like the way the Cubans handled it of really there shouldn't be a landlord class. Everyone has a right to a fucking home to live in. You know, uh, fuck you landlords. Goodbye. You're no longer allowed to operate like that. And this is coming from somebody who has worked in private real estate investment for years. But the, the things that I do, I like to help people work around the system to be able to buy a home. I don't do renter landlording i help people buy the fucking home and sidestep the whole credit system and shit because you have the right to actually fucking own your own goddamn home you know the fact that we have this system even set up the way that it is is inherently fucked and i'm getting really fucking sick of hearing landlords cry and bitch about their profit margins I, I couldn't fathom trying to kick somebody no, they need out the dignity they of work COVID or their work shut down. Right. They're talking about go get a job. Yeah. No. How about you quit landlording and get a real job, motherfucker, because housing is a right. How dare you bitch about somebody not being able to pay their fucking rent because they either lost their job due to it shutting down or because they themselves got fucking COVID or because a family member did and they're having to provide for them and take care of them. You know, things like that. This this pandemic has inherently fucked a lot of people. And the fact that we have 11 million people facing fucking eviction right now, and it's barely going to be staved off for two months with what Biden promises to do of extending this fucking moratorium. Fuck all of it. We need to put an end to this shit. We have more empty homes here than we do homeless people. 
There's no fucking excuse. Yeah, like six to fucking one. There's no fucking excuse. Like, anyway, um, everybody could be in a nice home and provided for, you know? If it wasn't for motherfuckers being like, but you don't want me to profit. Guess what, motherfucker? From one investor to another, if you make an investment, that is a roll of the dice. If your investment didn't pay off, I guess that sucks for you. You should have fucking come prepared. At least you didn't lose your ass. At least you didn't lose your fucking house. How dare you be pissed because you're not being allowed to force someone else to lose theirs. This is fucked. It's ethically fucked. Yeah. So I'm going to catch up. Into that further. We're going to do some episodes on, on... ethics do some some teaching segments to show precisely where that lines up of why housing is an actual right because it is <laughs> anyway anyway um i'm gonna catch up on the comments and then we'll uh wrap this up and we'll let you know what to expect from us next week because it's going to be a little bit different um but I'm going to catch up with the comments first because there's a few. Okay. Um, Natalie said, he's owned by the shareholders and corporations. Why do so many people not see that? Uh, because the media nope. doesn't point that out and people don't do their own research, especially the ones who say they do. Looking at you, right. fucking they don't actually Alex Jones watchers. Looking at you. Breitbart readers. Fox right. News audience looking at you. Anyway, sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, Natalie also said, <laughs> and I think there are maybe many who had no interest in politics. I'm going to interject in your comment to say, yes, there are. But you know who uh, who is interested in politics? It's not just progressives, if you haven't figured that out. Your landlord's interested in politics, even if he's a liberal, Right. He doesn't support right. you taking his means of income, his means of sitting on his ass and collecting a check. Uh, you want to know? You want to know who is interested in politics, though? Your landlord, your banker, your employer, the police. That's why we have to be involved. It's not really a matter of do I want to be? Hell no, I don't want to be, but I have to be. Right. Because this shit impacts every fucking facet of our lives. People, we no longer have the luxury or the privilege of being, well, I'm not political. Motherfucker, our very existence is being politicized. If you don't make your fucking voice heard, who the fuck do you think is going to speak for you and defend your fucking rights? Are you going to wait until it really impacts you in a fucked up manner before or, you bother or, to go shit maybe i should get involved right or are you waiting for a leader i mean to quote grace lee boggs we are the leaders we've been waiting for Got you right. and me and you and you and you we are the leaders we've been waiting for we can't wait for somebody else to do this especially when it comes to climate change i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole though i'm just going to nip that right there uh, back to Natalie's comment, 
I was definitely one of them until I slowly started to read a few things and realize that they have a lot of control in everything we do and have, can, or don't have. And you're totally right there. That's the thing. Your bankers uh, in, involved in politics, your internet providers involved in politics, your, your social media owners involved with politics, your landlord and your employer and uh, the utility owners and your, they're all involved with politics and whether they're liberal or conservative at the end of the day doesn't make a difference because they're serving the power structure, which at this point, I struggle to call it anything but fascist. We have decades of proof that that is the case, but again, I'm going off topic. <laughs> Calvin said, rent to own is how a lot of homes got bought. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that's a lot of what I've done, rent to own and owner financing contracts. Um, and with the rent to own where they eventually have to refinance the house in their own name, we help them fix their credit because that's, that's nine times out of 10, if not more, what is standing in people's way of actually buying a home is because somebody has signed you this arbitrary fucked up number based on you know a bunch of bullshit of whether they think they can trust you with a loan and there's a lot of faulty shit going on in there too so we do credit repair with people so that they can actually fucking get everything put in their own name however i prefer to do the owner finance stuff where you don't even have to fuck with a bank at all you know that's ways that there's a lot of investors out there who have been like wait a fucking minute this isn't right how this is happening people have a right to buy a home um there's another group that i collaborate with that shadid works with um people who if you are facing foreclosure on your loan these investors will buy the house for you and finance it directly to you themselves so that you can keep your home, things like that, because fuck this system, it's fucked. And, you know, all it does is try to make as much money as possible off of stopping people from actually having some fucking safety net there of you don't have to worry about losing your fucking home. No, nope. right now, everybody's got to worry about losing their fucking home. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um Natalie said they, I meant to say politicians, uh, or should I say the corporations and oligarchs who own most of them, in my opinion. And then she said exactly with solidarity fist to you. And then Calvin said, and I saw this headline too. Oh my God, if you haven't, you're going to crack up at this. I read a thing from Fox where a landlord was saying people who rent from him are buying boats. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm it, it, but hold on. Calvin has a very good point here because I didn't even think about that. I was just like, how do you know they bought a boat? How do you know that they didn't borrow a boat from somebody? How do you know that they, right. like, I mean, what are you fucking driving around to your tenants' houses? Like, oh, well, uh, there's a car in the driveway and you haven't paid your rent. So what the fuck, man? Like, I, right. I, I don't get it. Are you going and checking county clerk records to see if there's a title filed or some fucking shit? What the hell? Right. Like, it's just a bizarre thing for a landlord to even know. My landlord doesn't know that I right. have two kayaks. And if they do, then they need to get the fuck out of my yard. Like, that's all right. that comes down to. Anyway, um, I pointed out, meaning Calvin, pointed out 
that the person was very vague if the properties properties were commercial. I didn't even think about that, but I would not be surprised at all if business owners are not paying their rent because they can not pay their rent. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the fucking bourgeoisie was buying boats instead of paying the other bourgeois motherfuckers. I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. It's such a cutthroat thing, but anyway. In the cases of tenants and their homes, um, just as some as someone who has been fucked over by a landlord that I was in a contract with to actually buy the house, dude fucked me over, quit paying the house note with the money I was giving him. Well, my only other solution was RV life. So guess where my fucking money went after I found out that he wasn't paying the bank note? I saved my fucking money up and bought a motorhome so that I could have something else to live in. Maybe these people are buying fucking boats that have a cabin in them that they can actually fucking put in the water and live in to at least still have something that is fucking affordable so that you can continue to exist and not need to be under a fucking bridge. And you never know. It's not like these guys are sitting down and having conversations with their tenants like, oh, you know, I'm going to evict you as soon as the moratorium's up. I see you're buying yourself a boat to live in instead. How dare you? Nah, fuck you, man. Do what you got to do to survive. Do what you got to do to still keep some kind of quality of life. You know, I've been yeah. doing this shit, traveling around the fucking country in motorhomes since 2013 because I got tired of being fucked by landlords and fucked by my credit score. I'm one of those people who was fucked by my credit score out of buying a house. That's what landed me in that situation in the first place of yeah. a land contract. I got fucked up. Yeah. And uh, Natalie also pointed out rent to own can be hard to find or going with one of those that do is uh, sometimes just a sort of a bank and usually at a higher interest rate than a bank. And yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that a bunch of times, um, which I mean, you know, nine times yeah. out of 10, they don't, they don't tell you what the interest rate is anyway in a land contract, they tell you, well, this is how much the property's worth and this is how much your payment's gonna be. Right. Um, if you're doing a land contract or owner financing agreement, it should all be spelled out in that agreement of how much interest is being charged and literally have it broken down in basically an Excel page um, well yeah and i mean that's the legal way to do it but you have to remember not everybody's doing it through an agency and you have to remember that in small towns you know a lot of deals like that are made on a gentleman's handshake i've seen people get fucked because right. of that so i right. guess i agree with you but look out for those handshake deals not everybody is right. trying to They'll screw you over but even if the person is well, if the person is well-intentioned, first of all, and they're not going to have a problem, uh, you know, filling out an actual contract rather than just, you know, right. something that says, oh, you're paying $500 a month until this date without right. breaking any if of somebody, that. Right. If somebody is not willing to write out a detailed contract and sign that with you, that is a red fucking flag. And I'll also say that, you know, even if they do put everything in a written contract, um, you want to comb through that 
very finely and make sure that there aren't any terms stated in there that could fuck you. And if there are, then you need to redress that with them and have a new, a new contract drawn up of what you actually agree on. There should not be any terms in there that you don't completely fucking consent to, um, as well as your terms being fucking met. That's one of those things like, Honestly, I had a dude offer me a job in Philly a few years ago because he hit me up about one of the houses that I had available on a rent to own. And there was another house he was looking at. There was an owner finance deal. And after looking over his contract, I told him flat out, you're going to get a better deal by going with that house, not mine. So that honesty carries a long fucking way to be like, no, he's cutting you a better deal than what I can work with because of you know, the amount of money actually owed on this fucking house versus that, you know, uh, this would be a better situation. I went through his contract with fine tooth comb, pointed out the things he needed to redress and was like, if you can work those things out with him, that'll be a better deal than even what I can offer you. And he was like, can I fucking hire you? <laughs> he wanted me to come work at his business after that. It's one of those things like you, you have to be very fucking careful um, especially if you're not going through an agency. And even if you are, you need to make sure that those terms are still, you know. Well, that they're legit and that they're well legal, with. first of all. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. I mean, there's for example, if you that. live in the state of Michigan and your landlord is making you pay the water bill. Mm -mm. Right. Mm -mm. Stop right. paying your rent right fucking now. Put that shit in escrow and get a landlord tenant attorney. If you are paying a water bill in a rental in the state of Michigan, you are being exploited according to state law. Just saying. Yeah. I see that yeah. happen a lot. A lot. Yeah. Cause motherfuckers want to try to get away with that shit. It's one thing to have to cover your own um, power, you know, as far as utilities go, because that's, separate but the water itself is supposed to be rolled in with the rent just like the fucking property taxes etc everything else that's supposed to be rolled into one amount a month for you to pay to the landlord they are responsible for making sure that the water's cut on not you yep anyway though um i just wanted to point out well actually we need to remake this thing entirely We've been bitching about the support group not being called that. Uh, you know, we're hardly yeah, ever we on TikTok, but uh, we need to add Left Signal Boost TV to this, uh, as well as their group. Um, right. And Anti-Fascist 2. There is another anti-fascist group, actually, um, that I haven't gone and looked up, but I've heard from the other admins and Anti-Fascist 2 that there is an anti-fascist group that was able to take the name after anti-fascists got zucked. And, uh, you know, basically they're trying to say that the admins and anti-fascists didn't know what they were doing. And that's why it got taken out. And now they're like allowing shit. That's not even like, you know, remotely related to anti-fascism. And it's just like, huh, it's almost like you're deflecting. <laughs> right. Like, but anyway, 
I mean, everybody knows there's certain things that'll get you zucked automatically. You, you know, when it comes to their AI bullshit flagging certain words, it's really simple. Like if you're calling somebody a fucking fascist, when you type the A, press and hold it and it will pop up A's with the dots or the lines or whatever other symbols. Um, same for the eyes, you know, stuff like that. You need to actually fucking make it use different characters so that way it doesn't actually recognize those words and flag your shit and fucking ban you. You know, and shit like that, if it happens multiple times in a group, the whole group gets fucking banned. So I understand why people are fucking, you know, adamant about that when they're, you know, admins on the page. You know, you can't even say the word man without it getting flagged, man or men, because they're like, oh, my God, you're talking about men. How dare you? I mean, if it's something positive about men, then it ain't a problem. But, you know, if you're. I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole, honestly. It's Uh, it's fuckerberg, man. It's fuckerberg all the way. You can't critique anything if you call somebody a Nazi, even if they are blatantly like, "Yes, I'm a Nazi." If you go, "Well, you're Nazi trash," you get banned. Not the person talking Nazi. Well, yeah. I mean, it was less than a month ago. There was I forget what the post was even about, but I saw a comment. That was talking about like, oh yeah, it was about Cuba because it was about Fidel Castro. I saw a comment that was talking about how, well, I pointed out that he died in 2008, right? Like he's not still in power today, right? Um, and And they were just like, well, maybe we should dig him up just to be sure. And then like, you know, drag him through a fucking landfill and then cut his body apart and piss on it and then burn it and whatever i don't remember it was a fucked up comment and i and facebook allowed it and facebook allowed that comment but i typed back what the fuck is wrong with you and i got flagged yep yep you cannot speak out against a racist a sexist or a fascist in any form on facebook without you getting flagged in that case you would have had to alter you know the word fuck probably to not get that flag because as soon as it sees the word fuck it's going to look at the context and go that's not true at all though i have never had i have never had a a, any post flagged for for foul language no it said it said that it was hate speech directed at someone it's it said that it was hate speech Yes, because it was directed at a person it's not like what the fucking fuck it's what the fuck is wrong with you now you're a bully for asking a person what the fuck is wrong with them. But saying we should dig up Fidel Castro and piss on his corpse and right. drag it through a landfill that's, and cut it into pieces and burn it. I mean, you know, that's totally cool. That, no, that's fuck totally you, fucking cool to Fuckerberg. He's okay with that bullshit. Fuck you, <laughs> Fuckerberg. <laughs> anyway, um, so we have our Facebook page for We Are Many. Uh, we are also now trying out a partnership with Left Signal Boost TV. So if you're joining us from that platform for the first time, thank you. Um, well, what's I'm, up, homies, comrades? Thank you for the solidarity. We hope you come back and join us some more because we got a lot more shit coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have the For We Are Many Education and Discussion Group, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we're having discussions about uh various topics that impact the working class 
And we're also trying to, yeah. you know, like teach other people, including ourselves. Um, and then of course, since we're working with Left Signal Boost TV now, I want to shout their their group out. I believe it's also just called Left Signal Boost TV. It might just be Left Signal Boost, but it's one of the two. Um, we're on Twitter at For We Are Many Two, Instagram, which we're not great at using regularly, but we try, uh, which is at For We Are Many Podcast, TikTok, which we're really bad at, at For We Are Many Podcast. YouTube for We Are Many Podcast. Our email address is that same account. It's for We Are Many Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support us materially, the best way to do it is to go to our website for We Are Many.org. We have links on the side of every page uh, to either become a patron, uh, which patrons are going to start getting early access to a lot of our episodes, minus the current event streams, obviously. Um, Those are live. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be a week or two weeks early. Right. Yep. Yep. For the, the history pieces, the Rev Left Book Club, um, we're, that's one thing we're working on why we are going to take a Tuesday or two off or maybe a Monday or two off, depending on how that Yeah, it'll, it'll be a Monday. It'll be Mondays off because we're switching the Mondays. current event stream to Tuesday. I don't know if we're doing that this week or next week, but either way. But point being we're we're gonna take a little bit of time off in order to get stuff pre-recorded so that way we can schedule it out a couple weeks and actually be able to give our patrons um early releases on stuff and you know we're, we're also working on trying to get together like some merch packs things like that to be able to say thank you to you guys for being our patrons we appreciate it very much amen um, to that we've been trying to figure out forever like what can we do right right how can we say thank you to you <laughs> unfortunately um, though our initial merch is only going to be available to patrons um it's probably going to be some time before we have the funds to pre-order merch to ship ourselves right that was something that we did want to do at some point this summer but um you know financially after looking at the prices and stuff and some other expenses that came up, it's not going to be possible to pre-order that stuff right now, but we will have those available, um, you know, by individual order on Patreon. Um, so that way you can start rocking our shirts and repping the, for we are many. I also want to <laughs> get, I also want to get this fist right here as a pin. Yes. Yes, and I, I mean, frankly, I think uh, if you're a five dollar patron or above, I think that should just be our gift to you. Freebie. You know, like um, right. Which I think we can set it up that way. But if not, we'll figure it out. Like you'll get something, something physical. Um, yes. And, and I, I'd also like to get our sunflower um, on a pin too. But one thing at a time. Um, oh yeah. Yep. So we're working on it. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, we also have a PayPal, uh, which, again, is in a clip clickable link on the side of every page on our website. Um, so, you know, if you can't afford five dollars a month, but you can afford five dollars one time, PayPal is a good way to do that. Um yeah every little bit helps 
we're trying to expand our streaming service as well. Um, the current software that we have with Restream has certain limitations on there, whereas if we expand the pack that we have, which will be about double the cost, then we can even set up our pre-recorded segments as live streams too. Right, um, so we have the live chat and we have the, the live push and the notifications. Um, things like that. These yeah. are kind of crucial things to... Um, to help this grow yeah uh speaking of helping it grow we make this call often but um we're we're doing some restructuring of our central committee and we want more people involved even if you don't want to be you know a face on the air which we do have some behind the scenes people um we already pointed out natalie and robert and uh and emily earlier um you know, Great. like you can be on the central committee and not show your face on the air. That's fine. Um, there's a lot of other things to do. Uh, you know, if you want to create content, you can do that under a pseudonym. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> you know, and uh, of course, we also are looking for co-hosts or guests, um, which if somebody from another organization wants to guest we have the ability to stream our streams to their pages as well. So if you're interested in guesting, you can, without, all you got to do is click the, the link that I'll send you at the time. And then you can broadcast that stream to your channel as well. Um, so... Yeah. Also, if you have other content that you would like to share, that is part of what we are here for, too, is to amplify other voices on the left. So if there's, you know, streams or anything along those lines that you would like us to kick out and amplify, let us know. We'll put it up on the page. Um, if you're a writer and you would like to start a column, we have space for you on our page. If you're a social media expert, because I'll just be straight up honest, okay, I'm almost 40, Rob's 30. Like, we did not tick the talk until a few months ago. We don't know what the fuck we're doing on there. We're really <laughs> bad at it, okay? We're really like, bad at like it. Like, really <laughs> bad at it. <laughs> um, we need help. So if somebody would like help with the other social medias too, like, I mean, you know, we know our way around Facebook pretty fucking well, but when it comes to Instagram and TikTok, we could really use some help probably on Twitter too. Um, so if you can contribute in those ways, please message us, let us know, um, and we'll add you to the accounts. So that way you can help us keep up with um, sharing content, engaging with people. Um, you know, I also I mean, wanted to put sake, out a I'll specific call about things that we're doing in the near future. Um, yes. Judging by that poll, I would guess that our first anarchist piece of theory is going to be Emma Goldman's Anarchism and Other Essays, which actually, that's been on my list for a long time. It's about damn time I read it. Um, but that being said, like, you know, you and I, um, as we've already discussed in this episode, are certainly more communist leaning. And I don't want anybody to get the idea that we're no longer a pan leftist thing. So if you have a different opinion than us, I mean, you know, like sure. say if you're if, if you're um, a different kind of socialist or if you're an anarchist or if you're somewhere in the middle, 
we need your voice. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> Part of our goal here is to unite the left. Because until we unite, we are not going to have that power in numbers. Okay. Yeah. And you remember, you, do you remember this, what Brandon said of, uh, when, when he was on? For those of you that didn't see that episode way back in the early days, Brandon uh, from Cooperation Denton was our first guest. And we were kind of talking about ideological differences and, you know, the role in the state, especially. And he's just like, well, to be frank, does any of that even fucking matter until we overthrow capitalism? Right. And it is going to take strength in numbers to overthrow capitalism. Big time. These motherfuckers are not going to let go of their trillions and fucking profits like that. Like it ain't about shit. You know, they will fight tooth and nail to hang on to their ability to exploit you you, me, everybody who's watching this, like they are trying to completely fucking destroy the middle class and keep everyone fucking financially oppressed. And I just have to point out, okay, this reminds me of the movie Planet of the Apes where he's trying to explain to the other apes, he breaks one stick and he says, ape alone weak, puts many sticks together and does like this and can't break them apes together strong guess what so are we <laughs> that's fucking solidarity okay they might have right. they might have like disguised it as something not socialist or anarchist or whatever but that is solidarity that is solidarity and that's the thing even that's when the same comes- that's the same example that i use when i'm trying to explain solidarity to somebody either that or be like hold out your finger and you know bend it a little bit so it hurts a little bit and then be like, see, it's weak. Make a fist. See, I can't do anything to it. <laughs> you know, like same right. concept. Same concept. Yes. Together we are stronger. We actually need to unite in order to have our voices fucking heard. Um, there might be small differences where we disagree about certain things. But when it comes to the majority of our views, we are in line with each other. You know? It's one of those things where we need to stop the infighting. We need to stop allowing provocateurs to come in and cause that type of infighting. We need to squash those motherfuckers as soon as they show themselves like, nope, out. You are not an actual leftist. Um, You know, those of us who are actual fucking leftists, by that I mean anything left of hunting the homeless for sport. Join with us. We need to come together because this is fucking crucial, not just to our survival, but how many following generations, how, how long are we going to allow capitalism to exploit the fuck out of us to the point that we're, you know, fighting the point that it's the killing the planet just to fucking keep a roof over our heads and food in our bellies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, though, we've gone on this, uh, this, very long uh, tirade. <laughs> very long tirade, yeah. <laughs> Point is, for WeAreMany.org, we update it every time we release something. Um, and, I mean, we're trying to get back in the habit of putting articles up there, you know, once a week or so. Um, but, you know, we're all working class individuals, too. It's difficult. Um, that being and said, Calvin, I know that you do your Talking Financially podcast as well. And you said I'm in in terms of, you know, like cross-platform pollination or whatever. Um, 
and that you're you're down to help us promote too where was i going with this oh yeah if you want to like write an article about mmt for our website like we'll share the hell out of it or if you want to send us the videos themselves where we can actually upload an entire channel for your podcast, I would love to do that. Anybody who has not spoken with him or seen Calvin's podcast yet, I highly recommend you check it out. There's a lot to learn there. He is a massive wealth of knowledge when it comes to modern monetary theory and how we can apply that. It's beautiful. Watch watch his show he's phenomenal anyway um Matter i guess fact, in, in terms Calvin, of wrapping this i would up, love to have you back on again yeah true it's been a while it's been a while i'd like to catch up yeah absolutely <laughs> natalie said we need some tweens and teens to lend a hand does anyone have some kids to learn right. for a few hours <laughs> right Come on, Zoomers, we need your help. Can you come tick the talk for us? Right, right, right. Um, you know what the fuck we're doing there at all. Yeah, so anyway, for we'remany.org, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on trying to wrap this up finally, but uh, I, I'd like to invite everybody <laughs> to join us, whether it's on Left Signal Boost TV or if it's on for We Are Many. Um, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Either way, we'll be seeing you. Um, so Tuesday, we are doing our first Tuesday current event stream. I know that's going to fuck everybody up, myself right. included. I'm probably going to get to like the point of being ready to go live on Monday <laughs> and then being like, oh, yeah. Dude. All of the juggling of pre-recording this week alone threw me off on what day it was. Oh my god! Yesterday right? I thought it was Thursday. No, it was Wednesday. It fucked me up really bad. It's it's probably gonna still fuck me up for the next few weeks until my brain readjusts. Ah, uh, she's gone. All right. Well, anyway, um, it was great seeing all of you again tonight. Um, join us on Tuesday for our current event stream. Uh, this week we will be taking Monday off. Usually there will be um, a pre-recorded Revolutionary Left book club piece on Monday, but uh, we're taking either a Monday or two Mondays off to kind of try to get the stuff pre-recorded in, enough in advance so that way we can actually um, get that stuff up for our patrons uh in advance we want to do something for you guys and we've been weighing this a long time we don't want to hold the information from anybody that's can't afford or isn't willing to pay but we need to do something for our patrons and that was the the kind of compromise that we came up with um right. so yeah if that you was wanna... the happy medium because yeah we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> Just saying that that was the happy medium there, man. Of like, we're definitely going to make everything available to everyone, but we want to do something special for our patrons to be able to show you that we fucking appreciate you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all I got. See you guys on the next week. It'll be Tuesday for the live current event stream. 
and then Wednesday and Thursday for the pre-recorded pieces. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's all I got. You're cutting out really bad. Oh my god! Of course, I fucking signal. Um, it just keeps being your message. Later. It just keeps flipping me out of the ear. Nah, I got you. All right. Well, uh, anyway, that uh, that concludes tonight's stream. This is one of the longest ones we've done in a while, actually. Cause we've really tried to, you know, cut back on these three hour streams, but it's okay. It kind of, it kind of felt good. And Trisha's gone again. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, thank you guys for turning out. See you next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we will be back to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, probably the week after next. But until next time, peace, love, and solidarity. Good night.